I'm Kim. Today's episode of the Massive Fans Book Club podcast brings us to the Summer Court, and we'll be discussing chapters 28 through 32 to get us there. So today's uh, episode of A Court of Mr. Fury by Sarah J. Mass, uh, it's um, not going to be as long as they have been, but as Kim and I will point out, it's just also not as fun as some of the other events have been. <laughs> No, but we do have some fun moments. There are some fun moments. And 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 like Kim, one of the chapters Kim is covering gives us some good character development. So it's all worth it. But it real quick, as a reminder, this podcast isn't meant for little ears. Today's chapters aren't particularly violent or steamy, but we can't promise you that we won't get fired up and cuss up a storm because it's, well, A, who we are, and B, we meet Cressida and she's a bitch. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that being said, uh, let's, yes. see let's, let's you know just just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> that being said, let's take ourselves back to chapter twenty-eight. Just after our girl had some choice words for Reese after he used her as adderbait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, as a reminder, we had a little fight with the adder, and then with Reese because well, he set her up as bait. And now we're safely back in the Archeron household, eating what has to be the most uncomfortable breakfast ever, because it's just Reese and Feyre and Nesta and Elaine. Azriel's got the adder, and Cassian has flown off to join him. So, fun time. Okay, not that I blame him for leaving. Oh no! Especially if I was after Cassian, dinner last like, night. Give me, give me, give me out of there. <laughs> I'm leaving the stone cold bitch way. Bye bye. Fun side story, though, apparently when Cassian left, he did do, like, a big mocking bow to Nesta, who must have given him the finger because we're told that she replied with a, quote, vulgar gesture, and that's all I can come up with, and apparently that made Cassian laugh, and then he gave Nesta some sort of, like, predatory, like, look over, which earned a hiss from her, but nonetheless, it just uh, sounds like Nesta watched him fucking fly away, so that's hilarious to me. (laughs) True. I can't wait to see where that goes. Hmm? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> anyway, after breakfast, Nesta and Elaine take the letter to the village with Feyre and Reese following, but they're like glamoured out of sight, and then they make a hasty goodbye before Reese flies Feyre back over the wall and then winnows them back to Valaris, and he just drops her off. And like, I don't know, it just sounds like it's been an awkward morning. Like, <laughs> A uh, little bit, like a wee bit, like a whole lot wee bit. And, like, about an hour later, Reese returns and finds Farah where we all want to be, which is curled up on the couch in front of the fireplace with a book and a cup of tea. Ooh. Okay, maybe I, I was saying, maybe I don't want to be there right now because it's 90 degrees where I'm at, but, you know, <laughs> in theory, that's where I want to be. And that's where I was when I read this book for the first time. It was winter, and I had my fireplace on, and I think I had a snow day, and I was texting Kim the whole time, so. <laughs> you were. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, I can relate. Um. Anyway, Reese enters the room and Feyre stands up and looks him over, noting that she feels like a tightness in her chest release when she realizes he hasn't been injured or anything by the adder, which I just think, aw, our girl does care. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little. Just just a smidgy. And when Reese comes in, uh, he kind of doesn't beat around the bush. He just says, it's done. We learned what we needed to. It's up to you, Feyre, to decide how much of our methods you want to know about. What you can handle, 
what we did to the adder wasn't pretty. But she admits she wants to know everything, which, you know, fair, so do I. <laughs> and she asks to be taken to the adder, and Reese explains that the adder isn't in Valaris, but in the Court of Nightmares, and instead offers to show her. So she steadies herself, closes her eyes, and immediately walks into, like, a mental chamber that Reese has opened for her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as we always say, you can read the whole memory yourself. <laughs> it's pretty yes, brutal. Yes. And it's it kind of cool to see through Reese's eyes, but still favors commentary, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So I think it's a cool part to read anyway. But basically, here are the highlights. The memory opens up with Azriel basically interrogating Adder while Reese watches from across the room, leaning up against the wall. And Reese, and this is the weird part about how memories work. It like, <laughs> it would be like recording your thought process. And it, you know, nobody has just like a one track thought process. So we're watching Azriel like interrogate the Adder, but we're hearing Reese think. And so his mind wanders and he makes a mental note that since he's in the Hewn City, like in the under, you know, the Court of Nightmares, like he should come back here at some point and make an appearance soon. And it's just like, um, okay. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it's time for him to make a visit and let everybody there know that, yes. Like, yes, I'm still around. <laughs> I'm still here, dude. And yes, I still wear the crown. And yes, I still have all the power, not you. Right, right. And we also learn from his, like, mind chamber memory shit that <laughs> Azrael has recently learned that there's a small enemy force that has come through the north two days prior to try to get to Farah. And, like, while he doesn't know if that's, like... <laughs> to get at Tamlin, or, like, to get at him, or just because they suspect she has powers, or, like, whatever, like, the motive is inconclusive, and that's basically how we ended up wanting to set her up as bait, is because he had found this intel out, and he was like, well, I don't know who or why, so let's try to figure this out, which I, which I feel, I was gonna say, which, like, I feel is, like, better to have them take part of his plan, and, like, he caught the adder and now we get to torture the adder than just randomly being like okay well we've heard somebody wants Pharaoh, but we're not gonna do anything about it <laughs> like that would have been bad uh mm -hmm. so again dude's always got a plan he may not always execute perfectly but at least he has a plan true very true but but Azrael is basically interrogating the Adder, and the Adder says again that he was just instructed to get Farah. He was told by the king where to find her. How the king knew, the Adder doesn't know. But the Adder does say something creepy, which is, good luck trying to keep her, High Lord. But Azrael responds before Reese can, asking him why. And the Adder says, do you think it's not common knowledge that you took her from Tamlin? And we find out from Reese's mind that basically... Reese knew that too. Azrael had found out that Tamlin has like shut down his borders to the point that Azrael can't even fly overhead, let alone like get in touch with any of his inside informants. And the Adder says the king could help you keep her, consider sparing you if you worked with him. I'm like, okay, real quick, real quick, like spoiler, spoiler, skip 30 seconds if you don't want to know. Spoiler, spoiler, Kim, I find this so annoying because clearly this offer was already made to Tamlin who fucking took it yeah <laughs> so like i guess I, I in fact you know what i guarantee you guarantee you the day he locked her up in the in the manor right. that's who he was going to meet 
Right. And the thing I can't wrap my head around, spoiler, spoiler, I don't know if this has been 30 seconds, so if it has, skip again one more time. Long story short, I don't understand what the fucking plan would have been if Reese was like, mm, yeah, I'll pick you up on that. Then what was the hybrid? What, what the fuck was the king of hybrid going to do? I got two dudes who both said that they will fucking side with me to keep her. Well, fuck. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I understand the logistics of this. <laughs> but anyway, spoiler time is now over, so we can all move on. <laughs> but I just was like, what? Anyway. I don't understand. It, it, it is kind of a jaw-dropping. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> what the who the what? Yeah. But anyway. Okay. Reese rummages through the Adder's mind and sees the armies, the ships, all that, but nothing useful about the book or Jurian. So Reese tells Az, break its legs, shred its wings, and dump it off the coast of Hybern. See if it survives. And then before he leaves, because like, while he was in the Adder's mind, he was careful to avoid seeing things he didn't want to see, like under the mountain, or hey, spe- yeah, or specifically the memories of the Adder breaking Pharaoh. So Reese tells the Adder, I remember every moment of it. Be grateful I'm letting you live for now. And Reese notes internally, I didn't let myself see what it had been like to beat Farah, to torment and torture her. I might have splattered him on the walls, and I needed him to send a message more than I needed my own vengeance. Yeah. <clears throat> Which, like, if you're gonna open up your <laughs> not to quote Sherlock, but if you all open up your mind, palace. <laughs> If you gotta open up your mind, palace, for people to come in, I feel like uh, it's real a real shame that you don't have editing powers because I'm sure some of this commentary was not really the point of what he was trying to show her. So so true. But anyway, the memory ends and Feyre comes back in her own mind and is immediately like, "Wait, what's the deal with the Spring Court? Like, what's Tamlin doing?" And Reese basically just says that, like, nothing is happening right now, quote, but you know how far Tamlin can be driven to protect what he thinks is his. Mm-hmm. And Farrah, who doesn't have her mental shields up, immediately remembers that day with the paints and the rage and the boom and the bad. And Reese mutters that he should have sent more that day. Oops. And I... I don't think Farrah thinks too much about him saying that, but she should, <laughs> because I think uh-huh. it, it matches nicely with the apology he gives her, where he's like, I'm sorry about deceiving you earlier. Like, this man truly cares, and he really is sorry, but she's just, like, not in the mental place to take that, I guess, because no. she's just like, I need to write a letter. <laughs> and, then yes. we get a, and then we get a snowflake. <laughs> And Kim and I will go into this, like, at different points in this episode. We sort of suspect that maybe there were, like, edits made to this section because everything just feels, like, really half-assed and rushed. And I don't think, like, I don't think that was, like, a Sarah J. Mass thing. I don't, I don't think she was like, okay, let's just, like, blow through these plot points. Like, I think something happened somewhere with some editing or maybe, like, where the stars and chapters got placed or something because it's just like i need to write a letter star okay and then now she's written the letter (laughs) like we don't get any thought process for this we've just done it and it reads i left of my own free will i am cared for and safe i am grateful for all that you did for me all that you gave 
please don't come looking for me. I'm not coming back. And like, whoa, that feels like a lot. <laughs> Given how she's kind of thought like, maybe she'd go back eventually, maybe. And now not so much. I mean, we know he loved her and she acknowledged that, you know, I mean, in the last chapter, she did kind of have that whole, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's weird. It's weird, it's weird because, like, huh, I can't even put this into words. I feel like I understand what she's saying. I appreciate what she's saying. I think she means what she's saying. But what she wrote, and maybe she doesn't know this since she can't write so good. <laughs> what she wrote sounds like a hostage letter. <laughs> you know? So it's like yeah. not very convincing. <laughs> Okay. Spoiler, 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 spoiler for the next like 15, 30 seconds, people. All right. Um, we know what's going to happen later in the book. Of course, it's like a hostage letter. Well, right, right. But I mean, I just, yeah, I feel like we could have avoided all of this. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think there was a different way she could have handled that. So, you know, then it wouldn't have set things up the way it does. But That's fair, but yes. I just feel like there were other ways to get to the same place. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying. I think, more, I think we would have been more surprised. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, it's fine. Whatever. She writes her letter, and Reese kind of says what we said, which is like, are you sure about this? Because you were just talking about, like, maybe you'd go back. And he's like, um, you sure you want to send this? And she has a pretty good little internal monologue you should read that, like, kind of backs up the shoes. Like I said, she really does mean this. She, she's not going back. And she says, whether he remembers him saying it or not, she quotes back to him, I'm no one's pet. So in other words, yes, send the letter. And Feyre changes the subject as she's apt to do when, you know, emotions get involved. <laughs> And it gets a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And she basically says, so what's next on the list? And Reese is like, dude, we still haven't taken our day off. And she's all, don't coddle me. And he's all, I get it, but like, take a nap. <laughs> she's all, I'm not tired. I don't know. I just sort of feel like, Pharaoh, he wants a nap too. Chill for a minute. <laughs> Let the 500-year-old man nap. Yeah, like, take a chill pill. And Reese points out that really there isn't anything for them to do at the moment because they're waiting on Asriel to get intel on the whole mortal queen's situation. And they're waiting to hear back about visiting the summer court sometime in the next few days. Right. So Farah, refusing to take a nap or deal with her feelings, says, you told me the city was better seen at night. Are you all talk or will you ever, or what? Or will you ever show it to me, I guess is what she's trying to ask. And you, you should see my notes, guys. <laughs> Point is, is she's like, are you a taco? Will you take me out, right? And Reese just laughs and smiles at her. And she notes how he actually seems amused, like maybe even a little relieved or happy that she's like talking to him like this. And he says, dinner, tonight. Let's find out if you, Feyre darling, are all talk or if you'll allow a Lord of Night to take you out in the town. And now, and now I feel like the grandpa and the princess bride. You know that part where she's like, she doesn't get eaten. And the kid goes, huh? And he's like, 
you were looking kind of nervous. She doesn't get eaten. <laughs> I feel like that now. Let's find out if you, favorite darling, or I'll talk, or if you'll allow the Lord of the Night to take you out in the town. This isn't a date. Huh? You were thinking this is a date. It isn't it's a date. A date. <laughs> nope. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> How do we know? Oh, well, because it turns out that they're all going out. <laughs> the entire inner circle. Yay! <laughs> After a little snowflakey deal, we set the scene and Moore and Cassian are downstairs arguing and babbling and Asriel is trying to ignore them and Feyre is being visited by Amran of all people. <laughs> Amran comes into Feyre's room while she's wrapping up getting ready and uh, Nuala and, uh, well, what are their names? Caradwin. Nuala, Nuala and Caradwin. Cool, because I wrote ghosty girls. <laughs> <laughs> So our ghosty okay, girls. Walla and Caradwin. Yeah, well, you remember our ghosty girls? Anyway, they were helping Farrah get ready. <laughs> and they leave, and Amarin says, skittish little things, wraiths always are. And Farrah's like, huh? <laughs> and Amarin <laughs> explains that the ghosty girls are half wraith, and they're really good spies. And they report all of Amran's movements to Asriel, even after all these years. <laughs> and Feyre, confused, is like, don't they report to Reese? <laughs> and she's like, well, technically sure, but he doesn't see stalking my movements as necessary, and Asriel does. And she's, what she actually says is, I'd be disappointed if Reese and Spymaster didn't keep tabs on me, even go against orders to do so. And Farah, more confused now, <laughs> says, wait, like, Reese doesn't punish him for disobeying? And now, we readers know why this weird exchange is really happening. It's to make a point. Because, like, up to this, I'm like, why are we talking about this? Like, what is happening? What a no, random... No, not like, why, why is she in there? Right, I'm like, what this a is... random situation. But it's really to set up this like page long paragraph right Amron says the court of dreams is founded on three things to defend to honor and to cherish were you expecting brute strength and obedience many of recent's top officials have little to no power he values loyalty cunning compassion and Azrael, despite his disobedience is acting to defend his court his people so no recent does not punish that there are rules but they're flexible and Feyre's like, <laughs> what about the time? <laughs> and Amrin's just like, um, what the flying fuck? But what she actually says is, there are taxes on city dwellers, but there is no tithe. But the High Lord of Spring enacts one. So it's really just to point out how different <laughs> the Night Court is from the Spring Court. <laughs> But it says this is the night court is civilized and the spring court is prime, which, positively primeval. Right, which Kim and I already explained to you. So that's why when we were reading it, we were like, yeah, we fucking know this. Like, what is happening? But that was the point. <laughs> well, it also tells you how very little Amarin thinks of, of Tamlin for that, yes. too. Because she's really... Yeah. She's really snarky about it. <laughs> she's snarky about everything, guys. Literally, like, yes, half, my I notes, love her. half my notes for today are just basically, I love Amarin. <laughs> I do love Amarin. She's wonderful. 
but so we get that and then pharaoh with her brain melting out her ears as she finally realizes how ass backwards the spring court is she decides to change the subject by handing Amryn her necklace back, the one that Amryn let her borrow to keep her safe when they went to visit the bone carver. And Amryn is surprised. She raises an eyebrow and says, you gave it back. And Feyre's like, yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know it was Hello. A yeah, yeah. Like, I'm You told me I could borrow it. I had to return it. Yeah, I know the definition of borrow, and also I'm scared of you. <laughs> True. Very true. And, and Amrith says, keep it. There's no magic to it. And Farrah is just blinking. And Amrith explains, I found it at the bottom of my jewelry drawer. You needed something to believe you could get out of the prison again. And Farrah's all in disbelief, like, then why was Reese looking at it? <laughs> Amrith was like, well, probably just because he's surprised to see it again after all these years. Or he was, quote, likely worried why I might have given it to you. <laughs> Implying she like cursed it or something. <laughs> <laughs> always. Always a possibility with, with Amarin. <laughs> and Feyre is just like still so confused and just sort of like uh-huh. And then Amarin stands I know right? And then Amarin stands up to leave and just says you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the end of chapter 29, because chapter 29 is just the weirdest fucking bridge ever to get us to this 28. Dinner. Or 28, 28, yeah. 28 is the end of, whatever it is. What are we on? 28. It's like chapter the weirdest, it's the weirdest bridge to get to chapter 29, like, just yes. to get us to dinner, basically, is my point. Like, it's, it's just trying to get us out of the Archeron household to dinner. Pretty much. It does it in the most random of ways. Like, I feel like we had so many random conversations in there. <laughs> well, it's all about the tangents, dear. All about the tangents. Exactly. It's going to so be that, tangential. So that's how that chapter went. Uh, Kim, yep. take us out to dinner. <laughs> so I have unofficially titled this chapter, Chapter 29, Dinner Out with the Inner Circle, because, well, that's really what it is. Um, as we all know, if you're reading the books, there are no titles to these chapters, but sometimes these chapters do need a title, and, well, I would say going out to dinner with the inner circle is, is the title of this, because that's really what this whole chapter is about. Fair. So, they leave the townhouse, they're walking through Valaris, this beautiful city, and they're all, like, being really kind of, so... Kelsey, you and I, you and I would go out to dinner with our friends in college and kind of wander around and be stupid and be obnoxious and laugh and be loud and right. And we do it with theater people too. Like after a show, you'll go out to a restaurant. That's how I want you guys to think about this. This is going out with your friends. This is not a power play in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, this isn't like a formal thing. This is just like, hey, we're all going out to dinner. Right. And poor Farah is, she's a little kind of, her whole mental monologue, she's kind of staying to the back. She's staying back and watching and observing. And she's really kind of thrown by the fact that, you know, they're just strolling around. They're really unhurried. That it's a really normal conversation that has zero talks of politics, zero talk of Highburn, nothing. And then she notices, you know, all the people around them. 
they don't even like react to to the inner circle walking by you know i mean these are some of the most powerful people in prithian and none of these people are cowering or showing fear or even simpering to kowtow to them to to you know suck up and it just kind of strikes Feyre as a little huh interesting <laughs> um and you know she's a little I guess taken aback by it and she does notice that people there's no fear but there might be some awe a little intimidation from the it's kind of more like meeting a movie star I was gonna say I feel like the t- I feel like it's basically described that the people in town are like not really in awe like oh my god there's our high lord and more just like those people are like really pretty <laughs> exactly like yeah 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 they're powerful but also like wow look at that group of really pretty people <laughs> you know i really think that is it that's a really good way of putting it it's because they're not people are just like hey you know remember the first time she walks around Valaris with three sand after they get there right. that first day and he's going to get Amber and her brooch he you know people were all coming up and talking to him and being normal well i think it's also i mean i feel like this about people in general i think it's one thing when you see like a group of like pretty people walking together but like they're also just like chatting and laughing and they look like they're having a good time and i think sometimes like people are just drawn to that like wow like that's absolutely you know what i mean yeah no i (laughs) agree i don't i don't think it's like a power thing and i think that's why fair was so confused (laughs) because she's like but they're powerful and it's like right but that's not the point (laughs) they don't care nobody cares but i love her i love her little internal monologue because you know she acknowledges she had raged against this earlier with reese and gotten really angry if we all remember a couple episodes ago and now this is what she has to say about it and i just i think it's kind of interesting she's like there is no place like this in the world not not so serene so loved by its people and its rulers the other side of the city was even more crowded with patrons and finery out to attend the many theaters we had passed. I'd never seen a theater before, never seen a play or a concert or a symphony. In our village, we'd gotten mummers and minstrels at best. Herds of beggars yelling on makeshift instruments at worst. We stroll along this riverside walkway, past the shops and cafes with music spilling from them. I mean... I don't know. It almost sounds like Paris. <laughs> That's literally what I said when I read this. And I also made a note that like, that's the other thing is it's like, she saw it the first time and she was so busy being mad. And now she's seeing it almost like this time for the first time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because she, 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 she makes the comment in her head as she's continuing to walk. She's like, how much had I missed in these months of despair and numbness? Like, thank God you're noticing, girl, because that was getting annoying. <laughs> well, I think the last couple of events, the last couple of events of the last few days, especially after the adder, I think really kind of cleared her head of the cobwebs, I think. Yeah, between Maybe. the weaver and the adder, we've had some, we've had some come to Jesus. Just a few. Just, Just a few, we which got, is good. We got more coming, but we got to get through dinner first. <laughs> <laughs> we do, but it's all good. So anyway, you know, they go and they finally, they enter this little small restaurant and it's by the river and 
you know, she's she's kind of like she's really intrigued by it because like half the space is outside, and it's all kind of warmed and spelled in such a way that everybody's comfortable. You don't need to wear your coats or whatever. It's not. It's it's kind of again really strange, and apparently. Everybody else in the group is so familiar with this restaurant that the owner comes out and greets all of them and gives them all hugs and kisses. Which is just, like, fun to me. It's awesome. But poor Farah is just like, WTF. Which also tells you a lot about, like, where Farah's at in life, that, like, she can't even imagine knowing somebody that well. You like, know? even just, like, as a human, she's like, oh, my God, these these people are, like, hugging. It's kind of like, damn, girl, like, what kind of Grinch Mountain have you been living on? Poor thing. I think she's starved for affection. Right. I really do. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah. I that way. The fact that she's so weirded out by it is, like, yeah. shocking to me. But anyway. Absolutely. So they're sitting down and they're eating, and literally as soon as they sit down, food just starts coming out. And her comment, I love this. She's talking about the food. And she's like, I'd never had such food. Warm and rich and savory and spicy. Like it filled not only my stomach, but that lingering hole in my chest too. Oh, I love it. Makes me, makes me mushy inside, I so guess. Cute. It is. It's really cute. I don't know. I still think it's like some kind of like Greek slash Italian food because that's kind of what it makes me think of the way she describes it. I'm just like, my mouth starts watering. Now I just really want to eat Lebanese food. It's so good. Oh, yum. Yeah. Mm. Lebanese, Greek. Give me some Mediterranean food. I'd be a happy keeper. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. Now I'm hungry. (laughs) Sorry. That's not nice to do to you. I apologize. And while they're eating, she comes. The owner comes over and she's talking to to Reese about all the different spices that have been arriving now that Amaranth is gone. And you know she's concerned because apparently there are rumors of prices going up, especially if Highburn does its thing. And Reese does his best to assure you to assure her that he is going to do everything in his power to not let the prices get out of hand. And um you know he compliments and she's like oh well, sir don't do it on my behalf and race is like i like your food too much to to want to see the prices go up that much so i'm like you that's kind of a cool way to put it but yeah I like it. which which i appreciate but i'm la- like i'm laughing because it reminds me a little bit of like when we were talking about the tithe and i was like guys i don't fucking know i don't i don't got the time or the brain power to explain their whole damn tax structure like i i don't i don't know and i don't care I feel like we're having that kind of conversation again. We're like, yes, this is great. I understand what we're doing. We're humanizing Reese. We're talking about like, you know, the day-to-day politics, but dear God, the prices of the cinnamon are not like of my fucks to give right now. (laughs) Well, exactly. And I, but you know, at the same time, I, it's, it normalizes it. It it brings it, it brings it to a human level. I think it does, but it may have been too human for me. I was like, I was like, oh, are we gonna talk about like, you know, the you know, supply and demand? Like, I can't. <laughs> like, 
Well, I think it, it does bridge into this next little bit because Reese is like, look, I, I, I really like your cooking too much. Right, um, right. And it's always really wonderful. Like he gives he gives the owner a really great compliment. I just, he does. I and it, it wraps that. up quick. Yeah, it's it's cute because it wraps up quick and I get what they're doing. But at first when I started reading that, I was like, dear God, here we go. But this is this is a little self-actualization realization moment that Feyre has right as this exchange is going on with Resand between the owner and Resand, and she's like the happiness on her face, the satisfaction that only a day of hard work doing something you love could bring hit me like a stone. I remembered feeling that way after painting from morning until night. Once that was all I had wanted for myself. I looked to the dishes and then back to her. Because the owner has asked Feyre, was the food to your liking? And Feyre's answer is, I've lived in the mortal realm and lived at, in other courts, but I have never had food like this. Food that makes me feel awake. And apparently, Reese is just like gobsmacked by her answer. Because <laughs> he's looking at her like, how are you? And of course, that's when everybody realizes Amron hasn't touched her food. She's just been pushing food all around her plate, trying to be polite. And the owner's like, hang on a sec. She disappears. She comes back. And she has a big goblet. And she puts it down in front of Amron. And Amron's all like, you didn't have to do that. And the owner's like, don't worry. We needed the beast for something else anyway. <laughs> and Favorite's response to this in her head is, I had a horrible feeling I knew what was inside. <laughs> and it's like, yes, yes, you do. Yes, yes, you do. Yes, yes, it is. Because Amaranth swirls the goblet, the dark liquid lapping at the sides like wine, and then she sips from it. You spiced it nicely. Blood gleamed on her teeth, and the owner bowed. No one leaves my place hungry, she said before walking away. Well, I guess we can say Amaranth is part vampire. <laughs> I love it. And I just, I don't know why. I don't have a good, like, actor in mind or anything, but I just picture Amarin so vividly, and, like, I can hear her voice in my head, and I just love it. <laughs> Quite nicely. Oh, what a hoot. Ah, uh, gotta love our vampire sides here. Anyway, so it just, it was, it was really fun, and you know, they, they, they all get back and, and as they're finishing up and, and the owner brings out dessert and all, poor Farah is like stuffed. Like we've all eaten and to the point where you're like, oh my God, someone's going to have to roll me out to the car. Yeah, apparently that's what's happened to Farah. And Moore is like, I want to go dancing. And we all have that one idiot friend. <laughs> <laughs> that one friend where we're like, who invited you? Stop it. <laughs> We're dying. I've overeaten. I'm full. The last thing I want to do is go out and dance. Oh my God, I might puke. Yeah. Yeah, we all have that one friend where we're like, who are you? What did you eat? How are you okay? Stop it. And uh, Azrael, of course, is all like, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> and and Cassie's like, all, I'll go. Where you lead, I will follow. I will follow. <laughs> anywhere <laughs> all right that's azrael to more not cassian but Cassian's a we don't know right? that could be azrael to cassian we don't know no, I'm kidding. 
No, no, they beat each other up too much, I think. But it's just funny because they, they go off to do their thing. They decide they're going to go dancing. So the three of them agree. Ammon's in the back getting more blood that she's going to take back to her apartment and go gorge herself on because I'm like, oh, great. It's really like having a vampire. And so Pharaoh's looking at Reese like, well, are you going to go dancing? Because she really doesn't want to go dancing. Which, again, we've all been there. Like, oh, please, the love of God, I, I can't. Like, I'm not going to take a cab home alone, so somebody's got to stay. Or, or go home with me. Like, at least get me home safe, right? Right. Somebody's got to walk me home or something. Otherwise, i got to go to this damn club. <laughs> and Reese is like, yeah, no, I'm tired. <laughs> it's been a long day. And uh, so they decide to walk. So everybody kind of splits off into the little groups. Well, except for Amarin. I guess Amarin is a force under herself. So she's her own group. She's safe <laughs> to walk by herself. Yeah. Well, everybody knows who Amarin is and they're all scared of her. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's safe for her. She's fine. She's fine. And so they're wandering through and all right, I can't wait to see this on TV because, oh my God, the visual here has just got my mind just, ah, so cool. Because um, they're wandering through Valaris and they stop on a bridge. And, you know, Feyre, the artist in her, I guess, is starting to awaken a little because she starts drinking in, she says, I drank in the city as greedily as Amaran had gobbled down the spice blood. I almost stumbled as I spied the glimmer of color across the water. The rainbow of Valaris glowed like a fistful of jewels, as if the paint they used on their houses came alive in the moonlight. Oh, wow. Can I just say, I can't wait to see it. Like, that's, that's a visual. Like, I just, I want to see what you're going to get, like, on TV. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, what are they going to do? Yeah. And then Reese says to her, well, this is my favorite view in the city. And he's look, not gazing toward the artist quarter. He's like, it was my sister's favorite, too. My father used to have to drag her kicking and screaming out of Valaris. She loved it so much. And I like how it's just this little sweet nugget of information about Reese. And he really, he really is a big softy. Well, what I like about it, too, and I actually just thought about it now, because, like, I, I made a note of it, you know, on the second reread, and I, I kind of hoped you'd go over it. I didn't even think about it until this moment. Uh, we get some information about, you know, uh -huh. you know, up until now and even after now and the next couple of weeks and stuff. We get some information about, like, his sister and about his mom and mm -hmm. his relationship with the two of them. But we don't ever think about that in context with his, like, in context with his father. I think we kind of ignore his dad a little bit because yeah. we know that there were some kind of, like, power issues there. And, a you know, bad some, blood. yeah, and a little bit of weird of, you know, the mating bond between his mom and his dad was a little messed up. And so, like, I think we just don't think about it that way. And what I like about this visual is the whole my father used to have to drag her kicking and screaming out of Alaris. She loved it so much. It humanizes all of them. It may, you know what I mean? Even her, even, even his dad, it's like, he basically yeah. says, you know, that's my dad. Like, it's not, you know, the high Lord had to take her, you know, it's his father. He's just thinking of it yeah. as his father and his sister, not in the context of like, you know, these powerful fucking beings. Right. Yeah. Just thought this is my family. And, yeah. Uh, 
What great so I was just like, it's dang. So beautiful. Yeah, I was like, that's cute because we spend a lot of time, I think, thinking about his relationship with his sister and his mom, but like he did have a father too and he wasn't all bad. Wasn't exactly. all good, but wasn't all bad. <laughs> exactly. No, and you know, I think we need that touch of humanity because again, remember, everybody thinks the worst of the night court and high lords of the night court. And so this just makes them, it makes them human, it makes them tangible. And right. I, you know, walking around this beautiful city, it's, I think it's, it's a perfect way to do that, um, to showcase that, but it, this whole thing causes favor to go, but both of your houses are on the other side of the city from this, and she's like, so why, and he's like, oh, well, I wanted a quiet street to live on, I could visit the crazy when I wanted to, but otherwise, you know, I have a quiet place to go home, to, to retreat to, which let's face it, we all probably would say that if we could. And of course, Faye's response to this is, well, you could have just reordered the whole city. And of course, he's like, why would I want to change one thing about this place? It's perfect. Right. He thought like I did. Like, bitch, what? <laughs> and, and of course, Faye's, and I, I get that this is coming from her understanding from, from the spring court, because we can all bet money on a monkey's ass that Tamlin would have just done it to make himself happy. Fuck everybody else. He just would have done what he wanted. Well, right. And I think that's what we're supposed to be implying. Exactly. She's like, well, you're a high lord. Isn't that what you guys do? Whatever you please. And he just kind of studies her. And he's he's like, I love this, you guys, because... I know! He looks at her. He's studying her face. And he says... There are a great many things that I wish to do and don't get to. And I'm going to let you all interpret that however y'all want, but I know where I'm going with it. I mean, I, yeah, and it's like I get, and I get that because I agree with you. But I think the interesting thing, and you and I talk about this all the time, is I like, <laughs> I can hear in my head different ways you can deliver the line. Yes. And, and part of what I love about this line, and I hope it gets included in TV, and I would love to know how whatever actor gets it would say it, you know, because I think what I love about it is you could almost make it super subdued because it's like, yeah, like there can be like the overt like sexual tension or whatever, mm -hmm. but there can also be a really subtle, like there are a great many things that I wish to do and don't get to, and just kind of like subtle smile right there, you know what I mean? Like, so very you know very subdued and i like that in my head because i like the idea of her being like wait home <laughs> well but this is the best part so then it leads her to ask him well but you buy jewelry for amarin so are you guys together <laughs> i know which is like the most banana thing to me i'm like what on what on god's green earth has led you to believe that well think about well, just because what? Tamlin, plowed, you know, plowed you a duelly doesn't mean that's everybody's M.O. Also, I know, but she's a fucking, like, we don't even know what Amron is. <laughs> but, okay, let's, let's think about this. This is, this is, looking at from Farrah's experience, that is, unfortunately, the logical jump she's going to make. I get that. I don't agree with it, but I get it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I keep forgetting the poor thing is, like, 19 and has only been with one weirdo. Two, really. Well, yeah, Thomas Mandre was never anything I was serious. Say, he doesn't really count. Or it's Isaac. Not, I was going to say Isaac. Isaac. Yeah. Isaac yeah. Yeah, I'm not Thomas Mandre. Yeah, that was Nesta's boo. Um. Ish. Yeah. That was her something. Ish. Yeah. 
uh, it makes me it does make Reese laugh because he's like oh dear god no I am not with Amber not not no right. no 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 un, no Surprising to me is because I want to be like, honey, if he was with Amron, would he have just left her right now to like go stock up on Beastie Blood by herself? <laughs> Hell, <laughs> Not I he's know. walking you home. He'd be scared to leave her. <laughs> exactly. God knows who she'd be noshing on next. Um, and then, of course, Ferris like, but you didn't marry anybody. <laughs> Like, dear God, right? Which is, Twenty a, questions. Which is again to me the weirdest jump because it's like I forget. There's some movie where that like happens where it's like, but you're not married, and it's like, who gets the, what the fuck kind of lead in is that? And I forget what the movie is, but like there was some rom com I was watching recently where somebody was like, "Are you stupid? Like, <laughs> you can't just walk around asking people why they're not married." Are you married? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Is that a wedding ring on your hand? Right, like you can't just wander around asking people why they're not married. That's dumb. <laughs> totally stupid. But Farah does it. She steps right into it. And he has the best answer because he's like, I had lovers. I never felt tempted to invite one of them to share a life with me. And I honestly think that if I had asked, they all would have said no. And of course, Farah's like, well, I thought they'd be fighting all over each other. And all she could think of is, you know, like, like a Yanthi would. Which, that part is fair, and I think, again, this is one of those, it leads into this next part I'm sure you're, you're going to read, which... Exactly. Is, like I said, I feel like these chapters do this weird thing where they, like, are trying to set up important conversations, but the setups feel weird. <laughs> this is so true. Because Reese's response to that was, marry me means a life with a target on your back. And if there were offsprings in the life of knowing, they'd be hunted from the moment they were conceived. Everyone knows what happened to my family. And my people know that beyond our borders, we are hated. Of course, poor Feyre doesn't know the full story. And she's like, why? Why do people hate you? Fair. You know, I do get it. It's a fair question. But I'm just like, oh my God, girl, really? So Reese answers her and he's like, there was a time when the night court was a court of nightmares and was ruled from the hewn city long ago. But an ancient high lord had a different vision. And rather than allowing the world to see his territory vulnerable at a time of change, he sealed the borders and staged a coup, eliminating the worst of the courtiers and predators, building Valaris for the dreamers and establishing trade and peace and i'm just like wow that's like a big info dump right right which is like clearly we've learned a lot in just like these two paragraphs or whatever so i can see why we needed the conversation to go here but i didn't know the paper had to be so stupid to get us here <laughs> right and you know because of this he explains nobody knows about this point outside of outside of his land nobody knows about Valaris they just don't and you know other than the human city nobody outside of the night court knows about anything else in the night court and it's protection for the city and you know poor Pharaoh she's like truly nobody else knows and he's like you'll not find it on a single map anywhere no one knows no other high lord knows period 
and it just I, I don't know favorite just is trying to wrap her head around it so she her her way of dealing with this she changes the topic <laughs> her huge her huge and because Azrael has a job to do tomorrow and Azrael is going to go and try and infiltrate the queen's palace on the continent so he's off to the mortal lands in the morning and so then Pharaoh's like but aren't you worried about Azrael tomorrow and what he's going to be doing and and after what he did to the adder and the whole bit and Reese is like look it's his job of course I worry but you know what it is what it is um but then she has to but, step in it and say some more stupid shit she does she, she totally pokes the bear remember when they were staying at her family's house and Reese is just like keep your observations to yourself when he was when she asked about the whole Azrael and Moore and Cassian thing, she brings it up again. Dum dum. And Reese shuts her down and he's like, that's between them. Stay out of it. I'm out of it. That's between them. And as they're walking back, she's starting to realize she's getting really tired and really sore. And she's like, oh. There's a long way to go because they're downhill and they got to walk uphill to get up to the townhouse. Right. And she's like, about to beg Reese to fly me home. When this music comes out of these performers from outside a restaurant. And Favor literally stops stock still. A reduced version of the symphony I'd heard in a chill dungeon when I had been so lost to terror and despair that I had hallucinated. Hallucinated as this music poured into my cell and kept me from shattering. And once more, the beauty of it hit me, the layering and swaying, the joy and peace. They'd never played a piece like it under the mountain, never this sort of music. And I'd never heard music in myself, save for that one time. You, I breathed, not taking my eyes from the musicians playing so skillfully that even the diners had set down their forks in the cafes nearby. You sent that music into my cell. Why? Reese's voice is hoarse. Because you were breaking and I couldn't find another way to save you. The music swelled and built. I'd seen a palace in the sky when I'd hallucinated, a place between sunset and dawn, a house of moonstone pillars. She looks at him and says, I saw the night court. He glances at her. I didn't send those images to you. Thank you. Thank you for everything you did then and now. <sighs> like this amazing yeah. moment. And I'm just like, oh boy. So if you followed along with us in the last book, we talked about this music and all the stuff yes, she heard and did. saw. And, and I'm trying to lead to it because she does come up with the fact that she realizes she saw the night court. She saw the Moonstone Palace that, that he took her to when, when he was fulfilling the bargain. He sent her this beautiful music. And I think it's, it's just kind of cool that she finally realizes it well and i and, think his response to it is really cool too it is 
the fact mm. that he's clearly having like a moment himself where he's like I wouldn't have like I wasn't gonna say anything you know no yeah so he deflects by being <laughs> a bit of a jerk after she says thank you he's not even a jerk I mean I think it's kind of funny <laughs> it is it's cute because he doesn't want to get too maudlin I, and I know I'm yeah. sure part of it is he's thinking of his family and then all the drama that he was dealing yeah. with and the trauma that he deals with from under the mountain so I think there's a lot going on in his head but he does change it and he's just like what after the adder or the weaver this you know after the adder this morning or the weaver you know thank you I just love so, her you ruin everything <laughs> Which, like, which side note, I accidentally misspoke one time and I told that to my husband. I said, <laughs> I tried to say something like you ruined everything, but for some reason I combined it with some other phrase I was thinking in my head. So I said, you're a life ruiner. <laughs> and he's never let me live it down. <laughs> and that's what I thought of when I read this. You ruined everything. I'm like, girl, you did better than I did. <laughs> She got it all out in a coherent thought. Yeah. <laughs> Not your life ruiner. Womp womp. <laughs> well, Reese decides to have some fun with this and he just grins. I think he also realized she was getting tired because he scoops her up and they shoot up into the sky and they fly back to the townhouse. And it's snowflake time. And <laughs> all right. Yeah, this is like one of my little favorite moments, and I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail here, other than to tell you, read it. Read say, it like, in the book. You have to read this, because it's hard to, like, really take it if you don't read the back and forth. Exactly. And I'm not going to read you the whole section. Not happening. Y'all got to read it. But they're home, and they're in bed, and Favor's reading. They're in their rooms. Let me, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that, that you know, they're home in their separate rooms. They're each in their own beds doing whatever, but Favor's in bed reading because that part is clear because this is coming from her point of view. And they decide to start sending notes back and forth magically. Yeah, they're little text notes. <laughs> like text messages, but they're doing notes, handwritten notes, because again, they don't have technology. So think of it like sending cute text messages. And they're flirting, y'all. I mean, they're not, they are flirting. And it's like, yeah, Big Ben, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he makes enough sexual innuendo that you're kind of like, whoa, bud. And I'm dying, and I'm dying because it brings back that part from Under the Mountain that I could not stop laughing about. Yeah. Because, all right, I'll read you the first note, and, and you guys can see it just kind of goes downhill from here. But the, the first one says, I might be a shameless flirt, but at least I don't have a horrible temper. You should come tend to my wounds from our squabble in the snow. I'm bruised all over thanks to you. Which would be fine, except Pharaoh walks right the fuck into this and is like, go lick your wounds and leave me be. Bitch, you should have said nothing. And you definitely <laughs> shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Oh, and of course, poor Reese, he's, he's, I know he's struggling with how to respond to this. Oh, <laughs> no, he's I not. As you. soon as she stepped in to lick your wounds, he knew where he was fucking taking this nightmare. Well, yeah, but remember, she says it took a lot longer for it to return, considering the few short words on it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but that's because he couldn't decide if he was going to send it. He wasn't sure if he was going to die or not. 
because he basically comes back and says, well, I would rather you lick my wounds for me. And boys and girls, I'm going to tell you now, it goes from there, and I'm not going to continue reading, but you guys get the gist. Yeah. yeah. Flirting! Big but time! Flirting, like, but like I said, it just cracks me up because it does lead, thank God for my sake anyway, because I think it's fucking hilarious, it does lead into a, I remember how horrible you were at it under the mountain, meaning the licking. Yeah, we, we do get that reference, and I died laughing. <laughs> <laughs> like tears streaming down my face laughing <laughs> it was hysterical it is hysterical that they do this and um anyway they finally stop messaging back and forth and we get a little tiny snowflake yep yep and she's like i didn't dream about reese i dreamt about the adder but she didn't have a nightmare i'm good for her so guess what? That's where the chapter ends. <laughs> like we said, we just have like a weird mishmash of things going on. Like none of those things really feel like the same chapter, but they were. They were, but I love, I love it because they flirt and it's so cute. And I love it. I love that little bit of flirting. I think it's one of my favorite little moments in this whole thing. I, I agree. Like I love the little flirting. I love the moment, you know, like in the artist quarters, like chatting yeah. on the bridge. Like I think there are some really cute highlights in these like chapters, but there's just like a lot of weird ways of getting there. And 30 there ain't are. different. <laughs> no, and I can't wait to see this this all come out on TV. So I'm excited. This this is kind of where the fun stuff is for TV. So, anyway. Chapter 30. Chapter 30! Farrah and Cassian are training in the training ring at, at the House of Wind. They're getting their, their fight on. <clears throat> and he's he's giving her hell about her form. <laughs> and apparently... Azrael's already back from the mortal realm and he's pissy because there's some kind of barrier around the queen's castle that's causing as how that he has to rethink how he's going to be able to even get in to do his job. So he's pissy. And so Reese is out there sparring with Azrael in the other ring while Cass and Feyre are training. Which I'm just and, saying for TV's sake, what a purdy sight, all these purdy men. But anyway. Yes. Lots of muscles on display. Sexy skin. I'm into it. We will get some good gifts out of this, I am sure. Oh, guaranteed. And um, so anyway, because both Azrael and Reese are completely shirtless. They are only wearing pants. And they're sweaty. (laughs) And they're pretty. And Farrah notices, because they've stopped. Farrah and Cassian have stopped to get some water. And Farrah's really noticing how pretty Azriel and Resand are, especially Resand, but both of them. And I'm laughing because I just, <laughs> Kim knows she's talking about this, and I'm just smiling, holding the unmute button, realizing that you can't see my face, so I could just go back on mute. <laughs> I realized I had no words, and I was just like, smile? <laughs> And that's my input to this conversation. Just me smiling in the background. That's okay. Well, in in doing this, it gives us some interesting insight. The 
Favor notices that both Azrael and Resand are covered in tattoos. And uh, she's kind of fascinated by said tattoos. <clears throat> Jason Momoa, anybody? Jason Momoa, anybody? That's all I can think of. I'm sorry, boys and girls. But <laughs> yeah, but these are very specific tattoos. They are, but still. Like, my initial mental image, it, it went there. And yes, that's pretty, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but Cassian realizes that she's noticing the tattoos, and he's like, yeah, we get them when we're initiated as Illyrian warriors for luck and glory on the battlefield. And of course, Fair is hysterical because her inner monologue is like, yeah, I doubt Cassian is drinking in the rest of the image, though. The stomach muscles gleaming with sweat, the bunching of their thighs, right. the rippling strength in their backs. I mean, he may hmm. be. What do we know? But Maybe, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't so. know. I get the feeling that all of these Illyrians may or may not find just people attractive in general. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's very possible. I think, I think, I think especially they're all on a spectrum. <laughs> in the night court, I, I, want to, I want to say sexuality is very fluid. Yeah, I will leave it at that. Like, yes. there's a huge fluidity with on with with their sexuality. Yes, I mean, obviously, there are things that we know happen later, which you know clear some things up. But I'm just saying, I, I think, I think even Cassian would be like, Nah, he's pretty though. Cassian's smart enough to be able to acknowledge a very pretty man. Absolutely. Like, he has no problem telling you if somebody's attractive, and whether male or female. So I do, I do respect that. But what's cool about it is because she's so fascinated by this. Remember, guys, she's, she's an artist, but she hasn't painted once. She hasn't lifted up pen to paper, charcoal, nothing. This whole book. Okay? She hasn't tried to do anything artistic since before she went under the mountain. And this thought pops into her head, and it is Death on Swift Wings. The title came out of nowhere. And for a moment, I saw the painting I'd create, the darkness of those wings, faintly illuminated with lines of red and gold by the radiant winter sun, the glare off their blades, the harshness of the tattoos against the beauty of their faces. And she blinked, and the image was gone. But y'all, for the first time since before Under the Mountain, Vera saw things in color like an artist, like it's coming back, you guys. Can I just tell you guys how excited I was? Like, I was just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, it's there. Um, because it really was. And I'm so, oh, so happy that she's finally kind of getting her groove back, y'all. And it's it's so, so exciting. But note in, in studying the tattoos, Pharaoh looks down and realizes the tattoo on her arm. It's an Illyrian tattoo. And she's like, interesting. Perhaps it was Reese's own way of wishing me luck and glory while facing Amarantha. So again, cool moment. Maybe just a little bit. Huh, who knows? So then Cassie's like, all right, we're going to get back to it. But because your form's crap, we're going to do core. And any of us who've had to do core, we're all like, bleh. Like, can we not though? But just before they go, Cassian decides to open up his trap because, come to find out, Cassian Cassian does have a big fat mouth, and he will open it and and stick his foot into shit that he really shouldn't. But, that's but we Cassian. love him anyway. 
we do love him anyway. Cassian, I am not kidding y'all. I know I've said it before. I'll say it again. I love Cassian. Cassian is like my dude. And whenever I think of Cassian, I kind of have this Jason Momoa image in my head. I'm not even going to lie because he is described as having longer hair the whole day. I mean, oh, heaven help me. Like I sit here and myself just thinking about it because damn, y'all. Mm. Pretty. Pretty, pretty, pretty. And, um, Anyway, I don't even have a response for that because I'm just laughing about how, like, I feel like when we first read it, I was like, okay, sure, that's fine. And clearly that's your pretty because my pretty, I've just still been like, nope, nope, I'm still going to die on the Tom Ellis train for Reese. <laughs> I mean, he could be Reese. I'm talking about Cassian. I know, but Turn my point is, is I, could, I know, but I couldn't care less who plays Cassian. <laughs> Because I just care who plays Reese. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> that's why I'm like, see, that's why the world needs both of us. <laughs> True. True. I mean, I know for a fact they'd never get Jason Momo to do it, but one of the reasons, and I'll, I'll, I'll get back to this really quick, but y'all gotta understand, one of the reasons why I like Jason Momo for this, like, we both agree Tom Ellis would be fabulous as Reese. I like Jason Momoa for Cassian for a variety of reasons. One, he looks the part. But right. two, the more you read into the series, the more you realize Cassian, Cassian's kind of goofy and silly, and he's a prankster. Yes, yes, for sure. And if you all have ever, like, heard about Jason Momoa and some of the stuff he does, like, there's that one meme of him sneaking up on Henry Cavill on the red yes. carpet. yes. And it's, okay. yes, it's gold. <laughs> it's gold. And, and if you've seen it, then you now have a big inkling into Cassian's personality because that image of Jason Momoa is kind of like Cassian. And you're totally not wrong. Uh, I'm just laughing because I a thousand percent agree with you. Actually, like he'd be perfectly fine for Cassian. My problem is, is I watch a lot of TikToks and I'm sure she won't mind me saying uh, at Cavin Books, uh, I will link to her in the show notes, does a ton she's wonderful. of- She's so fucking funny. <laughs> she does a ton of like Akatar. um, like spoofs and she does a hysterical hysterical Cassian and like Asriel. Yes. She's so funny as the two of them like having conversations with each other. And I just it's like I it's it's like in my mind she is Cassian at this point. <laughs> It'll so, problems later, but yeah, you know. yeah. But I'm just like, but her delivery is such gold that I'm just I it can't <laughs> She is she's a gem, y'all. All I, I don't know her. Never met the girl, don't. But I've seen yeah. her her TikToks, and I'm I'm with Kelsey on this. She's hysterical. Up. Yes, cracks Crack us up. up. Absolutely hysterical. So, but that that like I said, that meme of Jason Momoa trying to sneak up on the red carpet behind Henry Cavill, and you see him, yeah, kind of hunched down, and the way he's kind of running at him, that's Cassian. Okay, it is. Guys. You're not wrong. And that's his personality. And so, anyway, that's why this next little bit where Cassian opens up his mouth, sticks his foot in and swallows, is so Cassian. Because he looks at, he goes, so, when are you going to talk about how you wrote a letter to Tamlin telling him you left for good? Wow, Cassian, that was just really slick and um, cool. And here, let's address the elephant in the room, but not in a good way. Feyre does have a couple good comebacks. She does fire back at him about the whole thing with Moore and Azrael. 
again, you guys need to read most of this. I'm not going to sit here and read it to you, but I'm just dying, okay? Because her response basically is fine. <laughs> and as all women know, that's not the answer that should ever be coming out of her, <laughs> out of her mouth. Right. Um, but after he drops this bomb and she gives him hell for more in Azrael, he's like, you know what? We're not doing core. We're just gonna do fists. You're gonna punch. Well, yeah, because okay. his what his what he says is so funny. He says, "Just fist. You want to mouth off, then back it up." <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> okay, here we go. This backfires. Oh, does it backfire? And his question keeps rattling around in Favor's brain. Because let's face it, ladies, she's upset. She's been going through a lot. She's having some self-realization and. He poked the bear, and he shouldn't have been poking that bear, but he poked the bear. And it's going through her head, and she really starts thinking about it. She's doing her punches, you know, the one, two. Strike, jab, strike, jab. And she's like, I had, I'd meant it, but without knowing what he thought, if he'd even care that much. No, I knew he'd care. He'd probably trash the manor in his rage. If my mere mention of him suffocating me had caused him to destroy the study, then this... I had been fight frightened by those fits of pure rage, cowed by them. And it had been love. I had loved him so deeply, so greatly. But and then she stops and she's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Reese told you? And he's like, well, no, he told Azrael. And Azrael told me because of security reasons, because stuff, <laughs> basically. Well, right, because That's basically really we don't know what the fallout is going to be from Tamlin. Right. So they, they, kind of told each other because they decided that maybe that would be the best way to go and so um Feyre, Feyre, Cassian because Feyre's upset Cassian I, I give him I give him a lot of credit he's like hey look I'm I'm sorry I didn't mean to hit a nerve I didn't mean to to upset you and it's my shitty way of trying to to really see if you need to talk about it I'm sorry so, see, this is the kind of Jason Momoa stuff I'm talking about. Like, he's right, just a big right, because he's, he's, yeah, he doesn't mean to be an ass about it. And as soon as he realizes he was an ass about it, he takes it back and he apologizes, which I appreciate. But like Absolutely. you said, unfortunately, he poked the bear and there's not really any unpoking to be done. No, not now. And uh, he's like, look, this is, this is, and Favor's response is, all right. And they kind of get back to it. So then Cassian preps up, tells her what he wants. And then he's giving her shit again. He's like, well, you didn't answer my question. Smile, smile. Like, I'm not going to be an ass, but you didn't answer. Favorite doesn't answer. But she gets this whole internal monologue. And she's like, it had been love. I'd meant it. The happiness, the lust, the peace. I'd felt all of those things once. And she's like, all right, maybe there'd been a blanket over my eyes about the temper, the need for his control, the need to protect that ran so deep he locked me up like a prisoner. Yeah, like, okay, thank God we're finally getting there because I was starting to lose faith in her ability to comprehend. Yep. And, all right, kids, so this is where, remember I told you, she says the, the dreaded words, I'm fine. She says it now to him in answer to his question. But his response is great. He's like, fine's good, fine's great. Knowing that it was a complete and total lie. Right. But he's going to go with it. And Farah just now gets lost in her internal monologue while she's doing 
the the punching that he wants her to do on the pads and she's like I'd done everything, everything for that love. I'd ripped myself to shreds. I'd killed innocents and debased myself. And he had sat, sat beside Amarantha on that throne. And he couldn't do anything, hadn't risked it, hadn't risked being caught until there was one night left. And all he'd wanted to do wasn't free me, but fuck me. And again, and again, when Amarantha had broken me, when she had snapped my bones and made my blood boil in its veins, he just knelt and begged her. He hadn't tried to kill her. He hadn't, he hadn't crawled for me. Yes, he'd fought for me, but I'd fought harder for him. Yes! He, had the, he had the nerve, once his powers were back, to shove me into a cage. The nerve to say I was no longer useful, that I was to be cloistered for his peace of mind. He'd given me everything I needed to become myself, to feel safe. And when he got what he wanted, when he got his power back, his lands back, he stopped trying it was still good it was still tamlin but he was just wrong okay i had to read that yeah. because as kelsey keeps saying yes do you all remember how pissed off we were getting at the end of book one yes because <laughs> somebody's sitting on his ass not saying shit and not she's doing dying. a damn thing towards the end. Like like she said, and she kind of left a sentence out that could have been put in there, but it's not really important right now, which is not only did he not try to fight, like did he not go after Amarantha? Not only did he not crawl for her. Remember, friends, who yelled her name? Who tried to take a stab at Amarantha? Who tried to make sure she wouldn't die alone? It's not fucking Tamlin. It wasn't Tam. It was Resand. And so that's why this whole thing, like she, whatever it is, it finally snaps. I mean, God bless Cassian for, I guess, asking because it finally allows her to have in the yeah. appropriate way, a true come to Jesus moment. And she is finally like able to get shit together. Like, thank God, because it's been a fucking long time to get us here. No, I know. But Jesus, Joseph and fucking Mary, man, y'all. How long did we have to go to get here? But not only that, like, our, like, not only am I so glad that she finally, like, said it all, like, even if it's in her head or whatever, like, she finally got there, but the way she got there and, like, what we find out next is actually really sweet and why we like Cassian. I love Cassian, y'all. Because really she says, because she was punching the whole time, and and we get from her like you know her perspective, and then my fists connected with bare skin, and I realized I'd punched through the sparring pads, no, burned through them, and I stopped too. The wrappings around my hands were now mere smudges of soot. Cassian's upraised palms remained before me, ready to take the blow if I needed to make it. I'm all right, he said quietly. She's just been punching his fucking hands with her fucking fire hands. <laughs> and he was going to stand there take it. and take it. Now, she gets through all this to this point. The real she's bawling hysterically, by the way, you guys. She is just sobbing because she's so upset and so angry. And yes, I like, like her. I angry cry. Oh, it's ugly. Me too. It's ugly. Kelsey's seen me angry cry at work unfortunately it was bad yeah we've we've both been there so we yeah, both have we cried at work we do so 
bear in mind. And then she's having this realization that she must have like lit her hands on fire because of all the burning through the pads and the wrappings around her hand. And Cassian just says to her, I know. And Feyre drops the bomb, the bomb that we've all been waiting for, but she needs to say it finally. And all she looks up, she's looking at him and through her tears says, it should have been me. But what I love too is this moment, because this is when all of a sudden the conversation changed. Because she makes a comment in there that we didn't read that, you know, she's crying and she knows she's, she's like aware she's crying and she's having this moment. She didn't realize her hands were on fire, but she she knows she's crying. And she kind of says, I don't care if Azriel sees, I don't care if Cassian sees, I don't care if Reese sees, like, I kind of just got to have this moment, right? And, and Azriel and Reese to this point have basically completely ignored it and let her do what she's got to do. And she's having her moment with Cassian and she's punching you know, fire hands, and Cassian's taking it, and Cassian says, you know, I I know, you know, she's like, I killed those fairies, and he's like, I know, and she's like, it should have been me, and that is the trigger for when it's now not Cassian's problem. Right. We let Cassian handle it till here, then re-steps in. Right. And And I love that that's where the line was, you know what I mean? I do too. And not only that though, but I mean, he was there with her. So he knows exactly what he saw her do this. Right. And so for him to be the one to step in is so, it's so important. And it really kind of builds on this relationship she's building with him, this friendship, this trust. Because really, she's learning to trust Reese. She's learning to trust them all, but she's really trusting Reese. But that's what I mean. But that's why I appreciate that Reese let her have that moment with Cassian so that she can trust him too. You know what I mean? Absolutely. He was like, I'm going to stay out of it. I'm going to stay out of it until it hits a certain point. And he's like, okay, now I have to be the one to step in. But yeah. I appreciate that he let up until this point Cassian handle it. And can I just say, I can't wait to see this on TV. Yes. This book, I'm like, mm, so many things to see. Oh, I love it. And she's like, you know, darkness suddenly sweeps in and she looks up and it's Resand. And he's standing there and he is using his wings to shade out all the light and to basically create this protected alcove for Feyre. And it's not that Azrael and Cassian don't know what's going on and can't hear, but it's to give her a sense of that privacy. And she and Cassian and Az, to be fair, take that and it says that they start sparring again so that they are at least giving the illusion that they may not be able to hear right but hello fairies stay hearing well yeah but they're trying to be cooperative (laughs) yeah but they're i give them credit because they you know what they do they step up and they're like look you know we're here short of literally physically walking out and leaving and we can't do that um we're going to do our best to give you as much privacy as possible and and Okay, let's think about this. Would this have happened in Spring Court? No. No, we would just be like this, yeah. We no, okay, first of all, in the Spring Court we don't talk about our feelings, so we wouldn't do that. Right. And then even if we did talk about our feelings, we would just ignore the conversation and probably argue about it. 
And we definitely wouldn't make Lucian go anywhere. Poor Lucian would just be trying to fucking, like, disappear into the fucking brick wall like he do. <laughs> He'd be like, can I squish into these bricks? I'm trying so hard to disappear! But, like, he'd have no choice. <laughs> I mean, God, God. See, that's the thing. The only one who has any sh- sense of, of a feeling and what's going on in the spring court is Lucian. And that's, I guess, what bothers me. Right, right. Like, you know, he was in a shitty position and, and, oh, anyway. But what Reese says to her is really awesome. Because, again, as, as Kelsey said, you know, he let it go so far and then he finally, he stepped in. And he steps in and he says, you will feel that way every day for the rest of your life. I know this because I have felt that way every day since my mother and sister were slaughtered and I had to bury them myself. And even retribution didn't fix it. Oof. That's a big dump. And he he looks at her and he's like, look, I have two nightmares. One, either myself or my friends are are being Amarantha's whore. Or I'm watching you die again. And again, it's that emotional oof. I mean, she's just not able to really respond. She's just like soaking it all in and listening. But it's also the way he just says stuff. Like, I'm sorry, but like he's just he's got such a way of saying the things. Because he doesn't just say, like, yeah, I mean he does say that that there are, you know, he has two dreams, right? You're right. Like the first one is, you know, basically he's back under the mountain, either Amaranthus Horror or his friends are. And that sucks either way. And then it's not just watching her die, though. It's very specifically he replays the exact moment where, quote, I hear your neck snap and see the light leave your eyes. Yeah. And it's like, he is fucking scarred for life from this. And we know that because we know that from book one, the minute it happens, he goes into like a, like we even talked about at the moment. We were like, damn, dude, like loses his shit. And we never see him lose his shit. And so... Again, it just plays into like just what we were talking about about how Farah has realized that like Tamlin didn't fucking lose a shit, and I mean I'm sure Tamlin's mm, scarred for life from this too, but so is Reese. Yeah, and he's admitting that, which Tamlin can't admit that, and at least Reese no. can. Exactly. I mean, this this is in my opinion. This is where. Reese stands up, he's the man, like, and he stands up to be the man, like, he, he owns right. the emotional responsibility of what he has to deal with, and, and to help her find what she needs to, to deal with this, too, and I, I'm just gonna put it there as that. And I just laugh, because what gets us out of this moment is he said all of these really, really intense things, <laughs> and is like, this is great and all. I'm glad we had this talk, but I'm now noticing that you smell really good, even though you're sweaty. <laughs> but it's not just that he smells good. She's noticing his muscles and his tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> and she starts checking him out, y'all. And apparently, her eyeballs are just going lower and lower. <laughs> and to save herself from utter embarrassment and humiliation, Boy. she's she she stops and she looks at her hands and she's like, so, Autumn Court? <laughs> Which we've already established, guys. We already knew that from the time she set the fucking table on fire. 
back at the spring court, remember? <laughs> like, we already know this, but she's like, I'm out of things to say. Autumn court, question mark. Think, think, think. And he's like, yep. <laughs> and then she's like, well, it makes her think of the fact that this is Lucian's dad. She, and then she's like, you know, I wonder if Lucian misses me. Which is fine and dandy, but completely irrelevant because, again, we're just trying to get this second so weird. part of this weird conversation. <laughs> so strange. I have to tell you guys, like, she makes some weird jumps in here. I get it. She's mentally and emotionally overwhelmed. So, y'all got to read this to get there. But when you do, you'll understand why Kelsey and I are just like, man, he's making some weird jumps. Mostly because I want to know, like, I hope her brain at least fires, like, really rapid fire fast because otherwise, these are really long pauses where Reese is probably like, the hell is going on in your hello. head, Chica? Yeah, like, hello. <laughs> Earth the Pharaoh. <laughs> tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap, tap. You there? Anybody in there? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so Reese is like, okay, fine. We're going to play with the... Uh, you, uh, you know he's mentally shifting gears. Because then he's like, so, let's see if you can summon darkness. Because well, I think in fairness, it's because she said the awkwardest fucking thing. She she's does. like... If you're the most, okay, like, I get the question, but, like, is this the time? And I feel this about most of these conversations in this chapter. If you're the most powerful High Lord in history, does that mean the drop I got from you holds more sway over the others? Like, sure. Who the fuck knows? Like, I can only imagine Reese is like, what? <laughs> um, He's thinking, maybe. Okay, we're gonna roll with this. <laughs> He's like, maybe. I don't fucking know. <laughs> So he's like, all right, give it a try. See if you can summon darkness. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, he's just like, the gears are grinding for him mentally. He's just like, the hell is going on? Well, and like I said, I think we're trying to get to the important, like, I think we're trying to make a point. Like, we're trying to make a point about this whole, like, darkness. Because, like, he's in, you know... Up to this point, he's put his wings around her. He's kind of like clouded the place in some darkness so they can have their little, you know, heart to heart moment or whatever. And so I think he's trying to make a, like, I think the point of this is to get to the point where she's like, but if I have to summon darkness, that's all scary shit. And he's trying to be like, nah, my dude, that's not how darkness works. (laughs) But I just, again, don't know that this makes the most sense to be having this conversation here. I agree. I like the conversation. I just don't understand why it's happening now. (laughs) But because of the turn it took, he is trying to lighten the mood. He's rolling with it. And I I give him mad props because, oh my God, this is like mental gear grinding. Um, Yeah, he's he's lightening the mood because he's like, summon darkness and she's like how and he's like try thinking of me and how good looking i am is the most handsome high lord yeah it's that lesson all over again it is except for the fact that i don't understand how that would work i'm sorry but like if i was sitting here thinking about how attractive reese was i would not summon darkness i'd set shit on fire again (laughs) that's what we're fucking doing here so, I don't know how it's going to work. But anyway. That makes two of us. But anyway, you're right. Regardless. Uh, anyway, they get a little snarky. And her comebacks to him 
make it over to Azrael and Cassian, to which they both get a good giggle out of it and start laughing. You want to know what's said? Read the book. And Reese's response is, there's the Pharaoh I adore, which totally makes me happy because, again, we're back on known comfortable footing, so yes, to speak. Things, things are feeling better. And then she's like, I scowled, but I closed my eyes. I tried to look inward toward any dark corner of myself I could find. There were too many. Far too many. And right now, they each contained that letter I'd written yesterday. A goodbye for my own sanity, my own safety. So then Reese comes in and he's like, all right, there are different kinds of darkness. Yeah, you don't got to go down this like depression rabbit hole, my girl. We don't got to be doing this. Yeah, he kind of picked up on this on the bond, I'm thinking, somehow. Hmm? Either that or she's projecting it and not realizing it and he's not going to say shit to her about it. And he's like, there's the darkness that frightens, the darkness that soothes, the darkness that is restful. There's the darkness of lovers and the darkness of assassins. It becomes what the bearer wishes it to be, needs it to be. It is not wholly good or bad. And she opens up her eyes and Reese has magicked in the darkness all around them. And poor Azrael and Cassian are like, well, I guess we'll make the best of this because they decided to turn it into a training moment. And they're still trying to fight each other. <laughs> yeah, they're just fighting in like the dark fog. <laughs> but like his point was, I guess he's trying to bring in, like he brings in like quiet, peaceful darkness that apparently has yes. some like twinkly stars and shit in it. So yes. that's nice. He's trying to be like, see, it can be pretty nice night. It doesn't have to be scary, depressive night. <laughs> right. And she's like, here in the soothing, sparkling dark, a steady breath filled my lungs. I couldn't remember the last time I'd done such a thing. Breathed easily. And so Reese suddenly takes the darkness away. I love this. And she's like, are you still standing there without a shirt? <laughs> she's right. Mad. That's literally just the line. Like, Reese is still before me. Still without a shirt. <laughs> and he's like, we can work on it later for now. He sniffs her and goes, go take a bath <laughs> which makes me laugh so hard because like i know she's been training so she's probably stinky and he's been training so like we already talked about how he's like stinky but the good kind of stinky apparently i'm laughing because i swear with his little fey nose he's smelling her and he's like your pheromones are fucking ridiculous get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> you are enjoying this too much get out <laughs> i think that's a good summation because Pharaoh's like, I gave him a particularly vulgar, vulgar gesture and asked Cassian to fly me home instead. <laughs> End of chapter. We got boy. there. But boy, this chapter unpacks a lot. It unpacks a lot emotionally. It does. But the come to Jesus moment, it's like all of a sudden she takes her head and she uninserts it from her ass. And it's suddenly like seen through two clear eyes. And I'm like, thank fuck she's back. I didn't think she was going to be. Yeah. No, I think that a lot of 30 was really important. I just think some of the, like, I think the come to Jesus portion of 30 is super important. I even think the night discussion of 30 is important. I just don't really see how those two things need to be in the same chapter. 
Okay, totally fair. I, I'm with you. I That's, get it. I think not where this section confuses me. And honestly, 31 is not any clearer. I apologize. <laughs> so anyway, but 30's now over. We are there. But okay, y'all, she had a huge breakthrough. I and know. she has finally gotten her head out of her ass. And she's gonna, she's favorite again. Like, it's the favorite yeah. we all remember. Exactly, and which is nice. nothing can make me happier than that. I gotta tell you all that right now. Yeah, so. I like that. All right, Kelsey, you have 31. Take it away, my friend. It's all you. So 31 opens with favor training with Cassian again. And he's saying, don't dance so much on your toes, referring to her fighting stance. And for whatever reason, Amron is around. And she points out, she heard you the first 10 times you said it, Cassian, which I think is just supposed to set the stage for how these people communicate with one another. And that is all snark all the time. It's love, really. It's love. It, it is. And it doesn't really matter for the plot, but it cracked me up, so I have to share. Cassian goes on to say to Amarin, keep talking, Amarin, and I'll drag you into the ring and see how much practice you've actually been doing. And Amarin's response is gold. She says, touch me, Cassian, and I'll remove your favorite part, small as it may be. <laughs> and Fairy is clearly starting to question all of her life choices that got her to this moment uh, while she's standing between the two of these people as they bicker. <laughs> I don't blame her. Yeah, same. I don't. Same. And her internal monologue tells us that in the past four days, she's made little progress. Uh, like, she's made a little progress with the fighting, but less progress with the magicking. So there's that. And we're told that they're still waiting on word from the summer court, and that luckily there's been no word from the spring court after she sent the letter. Um, just to make more things more fun and more weird uh, more enters and we get more bickering again you can read all this it doesn't really go anywhere i think it's just supposed to like i said be kind of building the fact that this is how these people talk to each other and cassian asks more where she disappeared to from rita's the other night and more is all i went out and he's all out where and she's none of your business and it's all like pretty uncomfortable and like i get we're trying to set up some kind of mysterious love triangle for more cassian as here but like having read the books and you know, knowing where we're going with these people. I forgot how awkward this setup is. <laughs> like, it's, it's a lot. Like, we make it, like, like, Farrah makes it awkward, but, like, in fairness, they make it awkward. <laughs> you, it's, um, it's a little uncomfortable, and yeah. you're like, mm, okay. Yeah. I can understand why Az just tries to, like, disappear into corners. But anyway, they I don't blame them. I really don't. Right. So, like, they're all arguing. And we learn from Favor's internal monologue, a fun fact. Apparently, while they were out at Rita's the other night, that's where they go dancing. Um, Moore and Cassian were dancing, and that left As and Farrah together. And they decided to play a game where they would watch Reese at the bar and bet on who would have the balls to ask the High Lord to go home with them. And apparently, As is stupid good at this game, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> um also i will note that this is another one of those things where kim and i are saying like they don't go into details but there's clearly a little bit of like fluidity here because she does make a note that like he gets passes from both like men and women so there's that but anyway uh so they played that little game and it gets fairer thinking reese didn't accept offers that came his way no matter how beautiful they were no matter how they smiled and laughed and its refusals were polite, firm, but polite. 
Had he been with anyone since Amarantha? Did he want another person in his bed after Amarantha? I like, that's a good point. I mean, I think these are fair questions. Not only that, yes, I mean, yes, that's important. But so not only that, you have all this, but we have, you know, like, it's male and female. It's equal opportunity. He's turning everybody down. Well, right. So like, he's turning, yeah. It's not so, like he's just turning down the pretty women or whatever. Well, he's that's true. You got a point there. Down. That in theory, yeah, you got a point there. That in theory, he might be less triggered, per se, by the male advances, given what he's been through with Amarantha, but apparently that's not really the case. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It is fascinating. And Farah is kind of like putting... Like, all of this through her head, like, oh, I wonder if he has been with anyone. I wonder if he wants to be with anyone. Like, she's realizing, like, well, I've been with Tamlin. But, like, I guess, you know, so, like, sure, Farrah's relationship with Tamlin bit the dust, but, like, so at least she had some, like, good days with him. And, I mean, like, you know, we know she, like, you know, got some after the amount under the mountain thing. And we're just kind of wondering, <laughs> what about Reese? But anyways, uh, we learned all of that from Farrah's internal monologue. And Lauren and Cassian are still bickering. And Farrah thinks, for a heartbeat, I wish Nesta was here, if only to see them go head to head, which is, I think, a really weird and random thought. I mean, again, I, I've read the books, I've read the next couple books, I understand where we're going here, what we're doing, but, you know, without spoilers, this is just a weird fucking statement. And so, <laughs> so finally, Cassian says, basically, I'm supposed to be training Farrah, what the hell are the rest of you people doing here? And Moore says they're all waiting for Reese, who is supposed to be arriving with news. And apparently, apparently, Amarin was supposed to deliver this message. She's been sitting here for an hour. And when Cassian's like, what the fuck? She's just like, oops. <laughs> and that's why we love Amarin, because she cracks me up. Anyway. So all of this has been awkward and we haven't really gone anywhere with this information. And <laughs> Reese now arrives and asks the group, ready to go to the summer, go on a summer holiday. And like, I guess clearly he's heard back from the summer court. And we learned that the invitation is actually only for Reese, Feyre, and Amran, and they're leaving tomorrow. Cassian has, Cassian has some concerns about this whole situation, which is the named group, Reese, Fair, and Amron, is clearly missing some kind of brute force. <laughs> and he and Az are like, well, if we're not going, I don't, like, <laughs> y'all are missing something. But Reese yeah. reminds him, considering the fact that the last time you visited, it didn't go well, and Cassian blurts out, erect one building. <laughs> oops. Big oops. Yeah. So Cassian, no matter how much he tries to argue with Reese, it, he ain't going. No, not happening. He's banned from the city. <laughs> right, right. And Reese does eventually explain that despite Cassian's concerns, this whole invitation could, you know, like, Cassian's concerned that this whole thing could be a trap. And, like, that's basically why Amron's going. That's <laughs> basically the answer they get. This <laughs> is scary. Right. But Cassian's like, you can't, like, Am like basically Cassian's like, me and Amron are not the same because, yeah, Amron might could, like, keep you safe, but she's going to be snooping around the High Lord of Summer's jewels like the fire drink that she is. <laughs> uh, 
But Reese is like, I don't give a shit, Cassie, and you're going to, you got to deal with the human realm shit with Az. <laughs> Plus, like Kim said, the summer court has banned him for an eternity. <laughs> banned. He's not allowed back. <laughs> well, and Amron chimes in, and she's hilarious as always. She goes, we'll be fine without you swaggering and growling at everyone. <laughs> And she does make a good point. She says, their high lord owes Reese a favor for saving his life under the mountain and keeping secrets. So, like, yeah. <laughs> remember back in book one when Reese went all squishy-squish to that fairy's mind and played it off to Amarantha, like, oops, I didn't mean to squishy-squish his brain, and basically said that the fairy acted alone in his escape. Yeah, we're referring to that. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't act alone. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right, so Amron's like, Cassian, shut up, what are you worried about? Like, Reese already has a good in with this guy. And it's kind of true, but Cassian still isn't convinced and reminds everyone about the elephant in the room that is Feyre. It's one thing to have her here, even when everyone knows it. It's another thing to bring her to a different court and introduce her as a member of our own. Which, fair point to Cassian, but I guess Reese is kind of okay. over it. Yeah, right. Reese is kind of over it and just like cocks his head to the side, looking rather irritated. And Moore steps in and just instructs Cassian to drop it. And yeah. like, I personally interpret this as Reese being upset at this last line from Cassian, where he's like, you know, it's another thing to bring her to a different court and introduce her as a member of our own. And I think it's like, one, he knows this plan puts fair in some danger and he doesn't love that. So like, thanks for repeatedly bringing that up, Cassian. <laughs> and two, I think he's wondering like, what exactly does Cassian think he could do to protect Feyre that Reese couldn't do himself? Considering we know for a fact that Reese can like make the brains go squish. Right. So, like, this is a little bit like that whole thing we talked about in the spring court where we were like, so why does Lucian step in in front of Feyre? Like, what the hell would Lucian do? Isn't Tamlin a fucking high lord and he's sitting right there? I think I think Reese is kind of going through the same thing, which is like, Cassian, I appreciate you, but do you honestly think that there is anything you would do to protect her that I wouldn't or couldn't do myself? <laughs> exactly. Uh, which is why Moore's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Pretty much. So, anyway. That's the end of that conversation. And Reese is like leaving, and Farah follows Reese out of the room and fairly asks if there are any schemes she should be informed of. And Reese recalls their little note writing session from the other night and says he thought he'd been forgiven. But Farah retorts one would think a High Lord would have more important things to do than pass notes back and forth at night. <laughs> And Reese just says something that can't really be taken one of two ways. There's only one way to take this one, and it's full flirt. He says, I do have more important things to do, but I find myself unable to resist the temptation. The same way you can't resist watching me whenever we're out. So territorial. (laughs) I'm just like, well, damn, call her out, bitch. All right. (laughs) Hot meat kettle. Yeah, I was like, well, hot damn. And uh, Farrah's internal monologue tells us that basically she goes dumb and can't respond. (laughs) Um, Because she's actually, in her head, she's going through how it's actually very easy to flirt with him. She enjoys flirting with him, fighting with him, and basically having fun with him. And she's realizing, like, maybe she deserves that. And I'm like, okay, hold this thought. (laughs) 
because it'll come back later and you'd think it'd be cute, but I'm actually going to be annoyed about it. <laughs> yeah. Because her thought process just sucked. It's not her fault. She's, she's just working through some shit. But anyway, point is, is hold this thought where she's like, it's fun to flirt with him and fight with him and blah, blah, blah. It's fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> so she finally snaps out of it and says, you haven't been able to keep away from me since Kalamai, it seems. And Reese, of all things, chooses to flick her nose <laughs> and says, I can't wait to see what happens to that sharp tongue of your, or I can't wait to see what that sharp tongue of yours can do at the summer court. And that's the end of the chapter. That's quite the setup, man. Well, yeah, like we got some fun flirt in on this one and we got some like fun Cassie and Amryn, like, you know, bullshitting. It's fun, but it's just, again, a weird chapter. <laughs> it is. But I like that you actually get to see their personalities. Like, you really get yes. to see them as individuals. Yes. No, for sure. I think that's, like, the point of that chapter. I agree. But I also think that we happen to just be in a weird bridge place because we're going to do 32 now and then that's like where we're wrapping up for today and and you'll see that we just had a like we were trying to get someplace friends we had to leave the Archeron household so that we can head to the summer court <laughs> and it's like we just we had to take the journey to get there and the journey was weird and it's fine <laughs> very weird so chapter 32 starts the next morning as Farah, Amron, and Reese are readying themselves to head out. And Farah makes a note about her whole role in this plan. And it's kind of interesting. She says, as Reese's newest pet, I would be granted tours of the city and the High Lord's personal residence. If we were lucky, none of them would realize that Reese's lap dog was actually a bloodhound. And it's like interesting because like, yeah, yeah, good analogy. I'm all for it. But, like, despite this girl's jokes, I really hope she, like, doesn't think he's treating her like a lapdog. Because you know who did treat her like a lapdog? Tamlin. But, like, Reese actually tells her things and teaches her things. So. He, he treats her like an individual. Right. So, I hope that's not, like, a thing she really thinks. I hope it was just a thing she thinks so that she can make her bloodhound thing. <laughs> I think she was using it as a metaphor, maybe. I hope. Yeah, you and I both. Um, sorry, our thing just finally loaded from the last recording, and now it's like, where do you want me to save this? And I'm like, can you get out of the middle of my screen? And, well, and, and it wouldn't be too bad, but it's like, you know, it's kind of, you know, if 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 she she didn't say it the way we hope she did, then boy, howdy, is that awkward as hell. Yeah. But anyway... <laughs> Anyways, Kim, I'm sure you noted these outfits in more detail than I did, but basically, Feyre is in a lilac flowy dress that has flowers embroidered at the hem up to her thighs and, like, this silver and pearl belt, and Amrit is wearing a gray outfit similar to the ones we've heard Feyre wear before, which is, like, the billowy pants and the matching crop top, and Reese is wingless today and wearing a black suit with some kind of, like, silver embroidery to it, you know, kind of matching some of the embroidery, I think, in Feyre's dress. Yeah, we learned that. They tell us that. It doesn't really matter, but you know, it's but fun Reese always wears black, right? Reese always wears black, so and 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 Amron always wears gray or silver, right? So, you know, yeah, 
<laughs> par for the course. But basically, we just give this info so that we know that basically we just know that favor be looking good. And <laughs> pretty. Right. And Reese looks favor over and says, Good, let's go. And that's supposed to stick out to us because he doesn't compliment or flirt with her, which is fine. But like, also, I don't feel like we see him terribly often compliment like her looks, look wise anyway. So I'm not really sure why Feyre is like so surprised by this. Because like right. in her internal monologue, she's like, and that's all he said. And I'm like, that's all he ever says. <laughs> Unless he's asking if there's enough food. Right. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Like, I feel like, I mean, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I, I'm just confused because he'll compliment and flirt with her, like, in a lot of ways, but, like, her outfit choice isn't really usually one of them. <laughs> he never comments right. on her clothes. Right, so why she thought he would know, I don't know, but whatever. Apparently, this is supposed to be an indicator that he's in a bad mood this morning, and a mood that we're supposed we learn is supposedly because Az and Cass took him for a ride during a card game the night before. And that sounds like a crap story to everyone. So we just drop it. And honestly, I don't even understand what the point of this was. <laughs> it does not know. come back. So well, no, because they say the card game was because they were really trying to convince him that one of them needed to go to Adriata with them. Right. But that didn't work and we knew it didn't work. I don't know. I just don't understand what that would make him be in a bad mood the next morning for her. <laughs> Unless he's hungover. Maybe, but I don't even know. Can these people get hungover? <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I know. I'm I know, but my point is I don't know and we never know. It never gets brought up again. So it, again, to me, it just feels like something got edited out and we missed it. <laughs> Because I'm like, why is he in a bad mood? What does this have to do with anything? Why does Favorite think he's going to compliment her? And he doesn't. I don't, none of that made any sense. But whatever. Reese takes each lady by the hand. He's got Amber and he's got Farah, And they winnow off and they appear on a landing platform at the base of a stone palace that is at like the end of a crescent-shaped bay. And the palace appears to be made out of coral and pearl. And there are seagulls. And honestly, it's quite lovely, but you can go read it yourself. <laughs> Farah takes a few minutes looking around and describing everything and then we get our first introduction welcome to Adriata says a handsome high lord with rich brown skin and white hair and turquoise eyes a familiar face Farah realizes from under the mountain but Farah quickly realizes she doesn't just know him from under the mountain her gifts I now remember the high lord of summer in a way I couldn't quite explain like some fragment of me knew it came from him, from here. Like some piece of me said, I remember, I remember, I remember. We are one in the same, you and I. But Reese speaks to Tarquin and Favor's thought process is stopped. <laughs> so we get some introductions. Uh, Reese gestures to Amran, who says to Tarquin, at least you are far more handsome than your cousin. He was an eyesore. Which, you know, Tarquin's surrounding people take really well. <laughs> and she realizes what she said. Not. Yeah, and she realizes what she said. And she's like, uh, condolences, of course. <laughs> ay, 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 this is why I love her. She's so funny. And Reese then formally introduces Feyre, noting, you know, obviously you people have met under the mountain previously. And... 
Tarquin looks over Farah, <laughs> and Farah, wondering if he can feel that shared power between them, because um, I guess he's kind of like staring at her, and she's like, oh fuck, he can sense that like I have his magical powers. Uh, but I guess his eyes are like lingering on her chest a little too long, <laughs> because Reese, awkward as fuck, says, and I cannot believe I have to say this, her breasts are rather spectacular, aren't they? Delicious as ripe apples. And I just, you know, it's not too often I get to make two Princess Bride references, but it's like when Wesley is like, there's a shortage of perfect breasts in the world and it'd be a pity to damage yours. <laughs> like, this has the same energy. So this, this I, I have a funny story to tell because as you know, I'm, I'm on the busty side. The booby fairy came and found me several times. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> she came by and go, and some more. Yeah, here and you go. Here you want another. <laughs> anyway, I, um, over the years, have found many self-defense mechanisms to deal with my bust. And I remember I was out, I, there used to be this club I used to go dancing at all the time. And I was out and I was dancing. I got to the bar. I was getting water. I wasn't even drinking because I'd go dancing. So I certainly wasn't drinking because I was driving. So I'd, I'd get water. And the bartenders knew that. And I was in this t-shirt and, and tight jeans. And, you know, again, I'm at a club. I'm dancing with my friends. This dude comes up and he literally can't take his eyes from my boobs. <laughs> right? And he's talking to me. He's trying to talk me up. And I finally looked at him and I looked down and the bartender's standing there. And I think the bartender was like, do I need to intervene? What do I need to do? And right. Dude's just, he keeps looking. And I'm looking down at my boobs and I look up at him and I look down at my boobs and I look up at him and I finally reach over. And my girlfriend Stephanie taught me this. So thank you, Steph. Reach over. I smacked my boob and I looked down and went, well, damn it. Talk to the man. Oh my god, I love it! Oh, oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so the good. It was just like, uh, turned bright red and walked away. Oh my god, that is just, oh my god, I'm dying. Oh, that's the only thing better than Pharaoh's response. <laughs> <laughs> that is the only, that is the only thing that could have made Pharaoh's response better, damn it. Because uh, now hers is just not that great. Oh. <laughs> And it's just funny because every time I read this, I have to say, this is what pops into my head. And I'm just like, oh my God. So yeah. And the bartender was like, next time you're not driving, drinks are on me. Right. <laughs> they like, should go to this bar all the time. And I was like, oh, hilarious. Hey. That is hilarious. Well, because I thought. Then, you know, we go to Ren Fair, right? And, right. You know, we're all in our bodices and our boobies. Yeah. And, uh. I can't tell you, I've never done it, but I know women in the Wenches Guild, um, Local 42, we are the answer, uh, who had gone to the face painters, but instead of getting their faces painted or anything, no, 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 they have the face painters paint eyeballs on their bosoms. Yeah, why not? And why then not? they have like you know, cheeky pins that say, my eyes are up here, but they paint eyes, pretty little eyes, so that if the guys are going to stare, at least they're looking at their eyes, right? That's so anyway. hilarious. <laughs> this is the crazy shit that goes through my head when I read this. So, Sarah J. Mass, if you hear this, I'm sorry, but, um, yeah, you did that, and I, I can't help but go there 
That's hilarious because I thought Favor's response was good because she it is said, good because she says Therese, here I was thinking you had a fascination with my mouth. Ah, and poor Tarquin has to be so confused right like I only sort of know you people what are we doing and (laughs) yeah I'll make a point about this probably next episode after we've like learned more about Tarquin because Kim and I kind of had a conversation offline about Tarquin and like this situation like basically the Reese Tarquin Feyre yeah there's just some stuff there that we will need to unpack like next episode but keep this interaction being like one of the first interactions they've all had together in mind (laughs) just tuck that away for next time so true Uh, but anyway uh Tarquin ultimately introduces his two sidekicks as well uh Cressida princess of Adriata not Tarquin's wife by the way I guess it's like his correct me if I'm wrong it's got to be like his cousin or second cousin or something like that because isn't she related to the dead cousin who was the former high lord I want to say she was the sister right so if like and that's why I'm like this is such a fucking weird way to explain this because I feel like what they say is like Cressida is the former high lord's sister I am the former high lord's cousin well that would make Cressida your fucking cousin yep So I don't really understand why it's described that way. So I feel like I missed something or maybe I misread it. I don't know. But anyway, doesn't matter. I don't like her. Uh, (laughs) She's weirdly rude to Feyre, as you'll find out. But I do like the introduction we get for Varian, Cressida. And then that's the thing too. And then they act like Varian is like this completely other fucking guy, but it's Cressida's younger brother. So again, whatever fucking relationship Darkwood has to Cressida would be the same to Varian. So I don't, I feel like we're describing this in such a backwards way. But anyway, Varian uh, is one of Tarquin's guards, and apparently he and Amarin have, like, this little moment of some kind, because Farrah's, like, observation is, his attention was fixed wholly on Amarin, as if he knew where the biggest threat lay. And wherever, I'm a little off, <laughs> like, in English today. <laughs> his attention, like, in English. His attention was fixed wholly on Amarin, as if he knew where the biggest threat lay. And what he then <laughs> would be happy to kill her if given the chance. In the brief time I'd known her, Amron had never looked more delighted. <laughs> so, okay, that's interesting. Tuck that away. <laughs> What's going on, man? Because Kim and I missed that. Like, Kim and I, like, read that the first time, but it didn't mean anything to us. We were both like, okay, whatever. And, um, yeah, just tuck that away. Tarquin then leads everyone into the palace and he's chatting with Reese and Feyre is a few steps behind taking in the palace details. Again, sounds super cool. Read it. And while they're talking, they mention Ninsar and Feyre then remembers that that's followed by Calumni and suddenly Feyre wonders what that will look like this year for Tamlin since she's left. And honestly, like, I wonder that too, but if you recall from one of our earlier episodes, I wondered that even if she had decided to stay. Like, the way that whole sex ritual is described to us, there is zero guarantee that this weird high on moon dust state he's in would have, like, let her pick, like, let him pick her anyway. Exactly. 
Because, like, the fate or whatever the fuck picks the lady or whatever. I don't know. My point is, is I don't feel like, like, I feel like they could have gotten married, she could have stayed, and then he still could have gone out and ended up sexing some random weirdo on Calumni. So I don't, yeah. I've never understood the details of that anyway, so I'm just curious. <laughs> like, Feyre's curious, I'm curious. I guess we'll never get an, well, actually, we do get an answer, but, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> way yeah. in the future we will get an answer it's not pretty friends <laughs> no no it's not anyway tarquin continues to talk about the repairs that have been done and he's still you know talking just in general about adriata and the things that have changed since the occupation of amaranthus cronies and reese takes this as an opportunity to say i hope no valuables were lost during its occupation which, like, he's just checking to make sure the book is still there. <laughs> and Tarquin cryptically says, not the most important things, thank the mother. And apparently this sets his advisors and Cressida on edge. And I, and I honestly think this is a perfectly fine High Lordy response. Like, I don't know why they're looking at him like, <gasps> like, I know that's a lot of pressure to say the right things, like, as a new High Lord, but, like, he's doing fine. <laughs> just a wee bit. Like, I feel like everybody's, like, his little cronies are, like, overreacting. Anyway, they continue their tour inside, and Feyre find herself looking out this window at, like, the beautiful sight of the water and the beach, and Tarquin sees her looking out and says, this is my favorite view. And their conversation is interesting. She says, you must be very proud to have such stunning lands. Okay, fine. And he says, how do they compare to the ones you've seen? Like, sneaky. Find out what she knows. I like it. And she says, everything in Prithian is lovely when compared to the mortal realm. Okay, good answer. We're playing the game, you know. And he says, and is being immortal lovelier than being human? And she says, you tell me. Which isn't even an answer, and I just, I don't know. I feel like we were doing a thing, and then suddenly we, like, pump the brakes and like everybody just starts saying stupid shit because like we were clearly playing a like what do you know what do you know I know game until this moment where she's like you tell me which makes no sense and then he says you are a pearl though I knew that the day you threw that bone at Amarantha and splattered mud on her favorite dress and like I love it nothing but does Tarquin have a little crushy crush I'm like, wait a minute. What you just said makes no freaking sense. But I think you think she's cute. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Farah is like, I guess he has a little crushy crush. Let me use this, which is fine. It makes sense. But I'm just, I don't know. I'm surprised she's like gonna go that route because just a few days ago we could like barely get her to open her mouth. <laughs> she really has come very far, very, very fast. Yeah, so it's just, like, kind of surprising, but whatever. She says, I do not remember you being quite so handsome under the mountain. The sunlight and sea suit you. Okay, Feyre, I'll see you. <laughs> um, yeah. But Turquin, like, kind of goes back to trying to make sense. <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> I don't know. To me, this seems dangerous. Like, personally, I feel like if I were Tarquin, I'd be like, mm, 
I should probably figure out what's going on here because she's definitely Tamlin's ex and I don't know what she is to Reese and he scares me. <laughs> and, and I guess he thinks that too because he's just kind of like, you know, what's your deal? <laughs> and Feyre starts to freak out, realizing she doesn't have a good answer. <laughs> and Reese chimes in, Feyre is a member of my inner circle and is my emissary to the mortal lands. Which, like, thank God, because I think this is when Tarquin's starting to suddenly panic, like, oh, fuck, am I, like, do I have a death wish? Am I flirting with this girl? <laughs> but, uh, you know, apparently no. She's just uh, an emissary to the mortal lands. And is like, oh, thank God. And this conversation kind of like now takes a different direction and Tarquin and Farrah go and like sit with the others. And Farrah's like, whew, okay, because I was flirting and doing a good job and then suddenly I was sucking. <laughs> and basically we get to why we're here or supposedly here anyways, because of course we're here to get the book, but we're pretending we're here for other reasons. Reese tells Tarquin that Highburn is not only readying for war, but they are in fact ready. And Tarquin has an interesting response, and a fair one, but interesting nonetheless. He says, you know that against Highburn, we will fight. We lost enough good people under the mountain. I have no interest in being slaves again. But if you are here to ask me to fight in another war, Reesan, and Reese cuts him off, and he says, that's not a possibility, I, and I had not even, like, crossed my mind. Now, if you're reading this for the first time, you're like, huh? <laughs> What? But then, yeah, you're like, what are they talking about? Well, Cressida, in a bitchy way, clears the confusion up for the rest of us. High Lord, quite the snarky one. She is so fun. Like, Amber is snarky in like a way I respect. Cressida is snarky in like the bitchiest way possible. High Lords have gone to war for less, you know. Doing it over such an unusual female would be nothing unexpected. And Pharaoh's like, whoa, hold your horses. I ain't worth fighting no war over. I'm here voluntarily. <laughs> but um, instead of saying that, like I would, she keeps her cool. And she's clearly already sick of Cressida because she says, try not to look too excited, princess. The High Lord of the Spring has no plans to go to war with the Night Court. Nope. And Cressida, like the bitch at the party that you hate, is like... Oh. Are you in contact with Tamlin then? And Farah, because she's a better person than me, says there are things that are public knowledge and things that are not. <laughs> and then goes on to basically say, shut the fuck up. Uh, no one is going to fight over me if I can help it. Cressida, be quiet. And <laughs> Cressida, really playing my patience, says, what a relief then to know we are not harboring a stolen bride and that we need not bother returning her to her master as the law demands and as any wise person might do to keep trouble from their doorstep. Okay, the whole master bit just makes me want to like... Yeah, I wanted to punch the shit out of her and so does Amron. Because Amron just goes stone like... still. And I'm like, you and me both, Amron. You and me both. But Pharaoh holds her own and reminds her that she left of her own free will. And Cressida, Jesus Christ, won't shut up. She's like, think that all you want, lady. But Which is like such a fucking offensive thing to say, too, by the way. She's just lady. 
Think that all you want, lady, but the law is still the law. And her quote is longer, but you get the point. And honestly, I don't understand what Crest is fucking trying to say for like so many reasons. One, we know that Reese got her out, quote, by the books. And I get that Cressida doesn't know this, but the fact that he didn't quote by the books means that Cressida should know that there is a way out that isn't against the law. Exactly. Two, she keeps saying she's his bride. Well, they didn't manage to get married, so I'm not sure who would be out here making laws against breaking off engagements. Like, kidnapping this, like, High Lord's actual wife? Sure, I can see how that might be a fucking law. But to kidnap his ex-fiance? Like, that's not, like, a, that's not a thing. <laughs> I mean, she's not wearing the ring. Look, right. look at her finger. Is there hardware on her finger? No. Like, that can't be a thing. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And then three, like, Feyre has already told you multiple times that she lost, left voluntarily. And I just have a hard time believing that anyone in the summer court would be like, okay, Cressida, hand Feyre over just, you know, because. Like, I feel like Cressida is forgetting what Feyre did for her and, like, all of them, right? Like, Feyre oh, saved their ass, so Cressida should have some fucking respect. One would hope. But apparently she doesn't, because she's just like that bitchy fucking hate. Anyway, clearly, like I said, this is why we couldn't say that we, you know, could keep it clean, because I, I just hate her so immeasurably much, and I've only known her for like two pages. <laughs> mean girls. Like, she, she yes. mean girls. Yes, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, finally, yeah. Reese shuts her up. <laughs> Thank fuck. Right? And he's basically like, you're such a joy to be around. <laughs> and Vera tells him to watch it. But, like, again, why? Like, Varian, you're like, come on, be smarter than this. And, like, I don't know. I'm just so annoyed because Cresta is clearly the one the wrong. Like, she's yeah. speaking this way to someone who saved their lives. But what do I know? But apparently, I guess maybe I'm not crazy because Tarquin basically shuts everyone up and says, Resand is our guest. His courtiers are our guests. And we will treat them as such. We will treat them, Cressida, as we treat people who saved our necks when all it would have taken was one word from them for us to be very, very dead. Yep. And I'm like, yes, Tarquin. <laughs> Thank you. And then it takes a beat before telling Reese that they'll discuss, you know, all of the political matters further later. But for now, they should just, like, get ready for the dinner party he's going to, like, throw for them. And he does take a second to, like, defend Cressida and says, you know, like, she made a lot of sacrifices on behalf of their people during the whole Under the Mountain debacle. And Reese reminds him, we all made sacrifices. And now you sit at the table with your family because of one's Feyre made. So you will forgive me, Tarquin, if I tell your princess that if she sends word to Tamlin or if any of your people try to bring her to them, their lives will be forfeit. Which, like, <laughs> wow. But also, I feel like this plays exactly into who Reese pretends to be. So, exactly. like, he means it, but also, you know, it works. <laughs> He's being mean old night court, high lord, you know? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, they, they do expect the, the, the High Lord of the Night Court to be a certain way. Right, so he's kind of playing into that, but he's also, like, seriously shut Cressida up. 
And <laughs> Tarquin basically says, I get you, bud, but don't threaten me in my own home. And it's like, okay, fine. But Reese says, it's not a threat. It's a promise. Mm -hmm. and now things are just tense and uncomfortable and thank god Feyre actually like somehow digs up her sense of humor to clear the air she says no wonder immortality never gets dull <laughs> yeah for real Tarquin laughs and Feyre feels a flicker of approval from Reese down the bond and Yay! that friends is the story of how Feyre stopped a night court summer court war <laughs> Which I'm like kidding, Oof. sort of, but it really is the end of chapter two and uh, chapter 32 and the end of this episode. Because now we've made it to Adriata, we've introduced you to Tarquin and his cronies, and like the next section is all a lot more flowy than the stuff we just went through. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It's a lot more um, warm, vacation yeah, fun. Like it. Yeah, it, like, goes together. Um, admittedly, some of this may be our fault, how we, like, split up our episodes, but I just also feel, like I said, like, this is just a very strange bridge. Yes. It like, is. it it's just awkward. is. It just is weird. <laughs> just, just a wee bit. Just a wee, a bit, a bit, a bit. Yeah. So, is what it is. Oh, but before we leave you, uh, Kim has some playlist suggestions. Uh, as always, you can hear these on Spotify if you're listening on Spotify. If you're listening on anything else, you can go find them on Spotify. Kim, hit us up with your songs. So I got some fun songs, and I got some not-so-fun songs, but fun songs. So the first song is, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's so much fun. It's We Are Young by the group Fun. I love this song. I love the song. Just, I've always liked it. I like the sound of it. The harmonies are beautiful. But it's a great song that explains Farrah's relationship with Tamlin. Because this, the point of view of the song, if you all really listen to the lyrics, it's he acknowledges that he was abusive to her. And um, anyway, I think in this case, it's Farrah acknowledging that Tamlin was abusive to her so I just felt it was fitting and it's a fun kind of peppy song which let's face it we could use after the last um episode um the 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 next song is um Hot for Teacher by Van Halen <laughs> which has both Kelsey and I in absolute hysterics so you know, can't see my face but I'm trying to hold it in so she is so you know they're writing those little letters back and forth and flirting and remember he's the one who taught her how to read and write and yeah i i just they're flirting they're they've been flirting but they really start flirting and well hot for teacher just kind of sounds so so appropriate um for that mm, yes so um after that uh they you know when they had gone to dinner and they they had done their flying <laughs> um, you know, Farrah was uh, talking about trying to have Reese fly her home anyway because she was tired. And what I didn't mean is she acknowledged that when he does scoop her up and fly them home, she she could kind of get used to this. And so um, I, <laughs> I picked, I'm trying to keep it in, but I can't. Um, I, I decided we need to go with Defying Gravity from Wicked because, well, they're flying. 
She's just and you like, all can just go there. Yeah, she's just like, fly, let's do this. <laughs> I can get used to this. <laughs> I didn't think Peter Pan was better, so I decided Fighting Gravity was a better choice yeah, than anything from Gravity Peter Pan. Perfect. I like it. It's silly. Yeah. I love it. I can take, fly. Take it or, take it or not. But whatever. I think Defying Gravity is better because remember, guys. When they went to dinner with the inner court and she meets them for the first time and he has to fly her to the house of wind, she is like, oh, hell no. And now she's like, yeah, I could get used to this. So I decided that it's kind of a nice way to show the 180 that she's willing to explore. Um, after that, we have um, Feyre's letter to Tamlin telling him, I'm not coming back. And the song we chose for that is You Don't Own Me by Leslie Gore. Which I love the song. If y'all don't know it, good heavens. Go listen, because it's awesome. It's so, stuck hold on. in your head, though. It will. It will totally get stuck in your head. Um, and then after that is Stand By You by Rachel Platten. Um, and it's Reese DeFera after she sends the letter. And then, um, um, and then I went with I Gotta Be Me. Uh, it's the Bleak Hasts version that I really like. And it's Farrah. It's, it's about Farrah. It's Farrah being herself. It's Farrah finally being like, I am here and I am, I'm, I have to be true to myself. Like for the first time, Farrah is standing up for herself. So go Farrah. Well, yeah, um, she's standing up for herself when she writes the letter, but she's also realizing that she has to, like, actually let herself live, like, when they're, like, looking at, like, the artist quarters and all of that, and she's like, oh, my God, remember when this is, like, all I ever wanted? <laughs> like, and then, you know, she had that, for the first time, she has a flash of, you know, of a painting. Right. So there's, yeah, so it's, like, in a couple different places in this section. Yeah. She comes back to who she is. So go, Feyre. And the final song is Born This Way by Lady Gaga. And it is in tribute to our um, little chat about the um, nightclub when they were all at Rita's. And um, Azriel and, and, and Feyre in particular were taking bets about who Reese was going to take home or not. And since we know Reese was being approached by everybody and we all agree that there's some definite gender fluidity going on there as far as sexual orientation uh with as and Cass and more and reese and amber's um, not even human so <laughs> and, yeah amber's not we don't even, even know what amber's into or not into because we don't know what yeah. we don't really know what amber's got <laughs> so i just you know the song it's it just yeah, it's Lady Gaga. It fits. It's, you know, Born This Way and, you know, all her little monsters. So that's our playlist. Um, we have some fun stuff for next time, so I can't wait to share those songs with you all then. But thanks so much for listening and enjoy these. And I hope I hope the funny ones make you all kind of giggle because exactly. in a fun way, Born This Way makes me giggle too. So Exactly. And in the meantime, until we talk with you next week, you can find us on all the things. Remember, they're Mass with two A's, like Sarah J. Mass's name. Website, MassiveFansBookClub.com. Facebook at MassiveFansBookClub and Podcast. Twitter at MassivePodcast. Instagram at MassiveFansPodcast. Pinterest at MassiveFans and TikTok at MassiveFanPod. And then as always, you can check the show notes for the link, like the song list and the links to any TikToks yep. we talked about. So... 
check that out. And also remember, you can uh, leave us a rating and review. And there's directions on what to do with that in the show notes as well. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So until next week, uh, okay. Bye. All right. Bye, guys.